Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. We talk about 20 or 22 or 24 degrees in Canada. They're hitting 48, 49 and just almost touching 50 degrees in British Columbia in B.C. This deadly heat wave. I was reading this morning it's killed over 220 people and caused a huge amount uh, of uh, wildfires. Large parts of B.C. blanketed in smoke. I mean, that is just incredible. 496 they were reporting yesterday, 49.6 Celsius. Uh, here the confusion continues, it really does. And even overnight we heard uh, of uh, Neffet being sidelined by Stephen Donnelly with a new group of medics and professors to roll out some kind of a testing policy uh, to allow uh, you know the country to get back to some kind of normality and indoor hospitality to restart. I don't know, I mean... You know, it, it just seems to be one kind of a train wreck after the next. But the front pages of the Red Tops call it, uh, get them in. Vintners demanding a way to find some way of opening their doors on July 19th. But they've ruled out, the Vintners have ruled out any kind of a vaccine pass or vetting people at the door. Uh, they had a meeting, of course, with senior politicians yesterday. Um, I don't know if anything came from it, apart from the fact that they said they would prefer to remain shut uh, than be medically vetting their customers. They'd rather close altogether, in fact, is what they said. Meanwhile, Tony Hoolan has come out and said uh, that without some kind of a vetting scheme where people are checked on the door for a vaccine cert or whether or not they had had COVID in the past, he said, if that doesn't happen, then the pubs should remain closed until October. I mean, insane, isn't it, really, when you see stories like that? I mean, I know that we've got to be wary of the Delta variant and what have you. But this is just, I mean, the division here is just incredible. Those attending uh, with the meeting said uh, the, the, the government was not, uh, what the government is saying is they're actually not written in stone at all that July 19th is, is the date when indoors uh, hospitality will open. That's still very much up in the air. Uh, but the mail this morning says no indoor dining. They're, they're kind of quoting Hulan really saying no indoor dining until October unless... There is a jab passport of one shape or form. And what's interesting then is you begin to see the results of uh, Michal Martin's uh, announcement uh, where restaurateurs and hoteliers are just taking call after call after call with regards to cancellations of bookings. Uh, cancellations of rooms. In fact, we were talking yesterday morning on the air with the restaurateur Paul Travode down in Killarney um, and the Echo Examiner has a story with him this morning saying that he has received 500 cancellations in a single day. He says the announcement um, of at least July 19th, at least that is, uh, it's like a dagger to the heart. And he says, we can't allow 200,000 people in hospitality to sink. And he says, we're on our knees um, he says, who am I to ask somebody at the front door of my restaurant if they're vaccinated? He says, I may as well ask them the color of their underpants. It's none of my business. So he says, 500 calls. These are people that are cancelling for, you know, uh, next week, the week after, cancelling for the next two or three weeks. Uh, while all that is happening then, um, bizarrely, the Aviva Stadium is going to close as a major vaccination centre because uh, there are big uh, there are big matches coming up, particularly the Irish class clash with uh, Japan. So because of rugby... 
uh, vaccine has to vaccine jabs have to take a have to take a, uh, a break. But it's interesting because it was mentioning yesterday morning on the air that on May 24th, of course, everything opened up in Northern Ireland indoors. Um, and the front of the sun this morning says that thousands, they claim thousands of Irish punters are heading north of the border because they can go indoors, they can have a drink, they can do whatever they want, then go to pubs and restaurants indoor or out. Um, and many of the hotels in Northern Ireland are claiming to be 90% occupied by fed-up customers from the Republic, apparently, who are heading across the border. And we languish, languish very much behind a lot of the EU. And I was reading last night that one of the reasons that we're slow out of the blocks with regards to a digital COVID certificate like the rest of Europe is because of the HSE hack, they're saying. But a lot of countries now, I think we're the only one that aren't ready. Did I read somewhere that that, that uh, EU QR code on your phone, the green pass, is actually being rolled out today? Uh, but we're not ready for it, and the digital certificate will allow free movement of citizens across the EU uh, a little later on this month. But a lot of countries are actually starting to roll out that QR system and that digital system today. The Echo this morning says that the restrictions with regards to indoor dining, particularly if you have, if you want to go out with your with your children, say if they're teenagers or, or even younger, you can at some stage go in and they can't whenever that happens. But the Echo call it the last straw for the young, and you would think that they would be the ones that they'd be uh, vaccinating an awful lot faster than anybody else this stage. I, I don't mean any disrespect to older age groups, but um, isn't that the worry, really? Isn't that the worry with regards to the uh, the teenagers and the 20-somethings? Australia now is in an incredible situation because they've only had 7% of the population vaccinated and one in two Australians are now under stay-at-home lockdown orders. Yeah, believe it or not, because they've had Delta outbreaks. Like 5 million people in Sydney are under a two-week lockdown until the 9th of July and have been that way. You know, for maybe the better part of nearly a week at this stage. The papers also take to talk today about more confusion. Like the examiner says, you know, when uh, Tony Hoolan sent this letter that um, really shocked the cabinet about 2,200 deaths uh, across the early autumn, if we didn't, uh, you know, if we didn't, if we opened hospitality indoors and what have you, those, those numbers didn't figure in the amount of people that would be vaccinated between now and then. Those numbers are only based on where we're at now. And apparently, I don't know whether you meant to or not, but they're saying uh, that the Taoiseach misled or at least wrongly told the cabinet about the modelling, which has now proved to be inaccurate modelling. There are other stories in the papers today. We saw a slight increase in Leaside with regards to the amount of homeless people who are accessing local authority emergency accommodation. Uh, across the back end of May, that was 414 adults. I don't know how many children, but they talk of 414 adults. Um, the figures in Dublin are ridiculous. I mean, it's just insane, nearly 4,500 people. Papers also say that cocaine use in Ireland has doubled in like 15 years now. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible statistic, particularly with men, particularly men between age 25 and 34, who are more using the drug more than ever before. Uh, cocaine. Uh, and the things that you buy make the papers because buying online from the UK is a nightmare these days and it's going to become an extra nightmare according to the Independent when new VAT charges come in on top of the excise that you're already paying with regards to online shopping. It's interesting that Bill Cosby was freed from jail last night. His sex assault conviction was overturned and many of the Red Tops talk of that today. And from a sporting point of view, everybody's slipping at Wimbledon. I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's just injury after injury and retirement after retirement. So a lot of the papers told that Murray was incredible last night. I mean, five sets and God almighty, he just puts everybody through the ringer. I mean, your heart's in your mouth watching that guy play, but he pulled it off in the end. 
winning in, in five sets. And Benny McCabe has bought the PAV. I'll talk about that a little later on this morning because there's not much time right now. There's a great article on the front and inside pages uh, of the examiner this morning of an incredible guy who powers on in business on Leaside. And he's bought the PAV in Kerry's Lane. And I'll tell you some more about his plans for the PAV a little later this morning. The Neil Prenderville Show. We've been talking a lot recently about, you know, what you can do with regards to underage children who misbehave or get into trouble and how much of them know that the law really cannot touch them and that they're just almost have a license or a pass to do it as they please. And I still get emails on this and I still get texts on it. But this one from a worried parent who I'm just going to call D. I'm just going to call her D. Um, this is uh, an email that I received, maybe because we had been talking about this over the past few days. And again yesterday, uh, more people being held to ransom and held hostage in their own homes and housing estates. And she's very much in that situation. She says, I've been listening to your show the last while. Uh, and I hear so many people blaming on your program over and over the parents for their children's bad behavior. Well, let me tell you the truth about my 15-year-old son. He has totally gone off the rails. He is a little thug. He's a scumbag. And that's a bad thing to say about your own son. But unfortunately, it's very true. It's rife everywhere, not just with my boy. Uh, Social services told him if he ever felt scared or threatened uh, to ring the guards or them straight away. I was told himself and his friends had been taking Valium and Coke which they robbed from a guy on heroin. Uh, I found him around at his mate's house, who's 10. Um, My son is 11. Found him in his mate's house and he sat there and he said straight to my face, uh, I mean F all to him, he says. And I'm nothing to him, he says. He told me to F off and die. He went to leg it out of the house and I grabbed him. He was off his face on cocaine and pills and this is a 10-year-old at 10 o'clock at night. I pinned him on the floor to stop him running off. When I let him up, he bolted. When I got home five minutes later, the guardie turned up at my door. He had reported me for assault. I explained the situation to the guarda and luckily they understood and even said if it was his lad, he would have gotten a lot more than being pinned to the ground. But because he's a juvenile, the guards did tell me that they had to inform Tusla. Anyway, Tusla threatened to get me removed from my house and get a barring order on me. The lad has, uh, from then on, just given us the two fingers for anything we ask of him. All we get is, you can't do F all. I'll do what I want. And trust me, he has done just that. The stress, anxiety... And suffering he has put me through over the last few years. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. How I've not ended up in the Lee yet is beyond me. My house is immaculate. In case people start criticizing me as a parent or a homeowner. I work six days a week myself. He has nice clothes, a nice house. He's well provided for. But he wants to be a scumbag. Or those to me are very powerful words. He wants to be a scumbag. The stress now is unbearable. I sleep in the front room on the sofa with a baseball bat next to me in case anyone happens to turn up. Trust me, it's no life to live. I'm fed up reading and hearing your program. It's the parents' fault. Find the parents. Blame the parents. If it was that bloody easy, then yeah, great. But it's not. I don't drink. Never did drugs nor does my partner. 
When a kid doesn't give a damn, trust me, Neil, there's nothing can be done legally to stop them by the parent. Worried parent, please don't give out my full details. Just refer to me, if you like, as D. A 10-year-old who just wants to hang out with and to be a scumbag. We used to hear that about, you know, 15, 16 and 17-year-olds and obviously older. But one thing I've noticed in, in, in the recent year or so, maybe a little longer, is how young now kids are when they're engaging in drugs, antisocial behavior, fighting, hanging out in gangs. And a 10-year-old now on Valium and cocaine who seems to know how to play the system. Of that you can be sure. So that's something that we shared with Don O'Leary from the Cork Life Centre who deals with uh, young people who need help and need to get back on track and also helps them through education. I was just wondering if this was, um, you know, if this was prevalent on Side. And he joins me by phone. Don, good morning. Good morning, Ian. I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? Um, to begin with, telling your mother and your dad, you mean F all to me, um, go and F off and die. Um, a 10-year-old on Valium, a 10-year-old on cocaine, hanging out with heroin users, calling Tusla and the guards. What's it all about? Well, I'd like to tell you that's not an unusual story, right? But, but it is. You know, there, there are many instances of this happening over and over again. Um, and, and I suppose when you look at <laughs> a 10-year-old, like, we can't just take that sitting down. You know, you just can't end that lying back and saying uh, uh, a 10-year-old is taking drugs. But they are. And I think uh, it's happening more and more. And there's lots of reasons for it. You know, I, I think the first thing I'd like to say is I, I, I empathise entirely with that the, the, the father and mother in this situation. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things there. I mean, imagine having to sleep at night for a baseball bat. I don't think that's about the sun. I think that's probably about money or to dealers. Um, oh, oh, absolutely! That anybody could call into the house. I don't think she was saying the son would take a baseball bat to her, but no, the people, no, the no, people no. he's associating with, might. Oh yes, oh, 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 oh yes, and, and there's many instances of that happening too. And I suppose you know, if we go back and how you started this, maybe to start first on in relation to parents. Um, until you're in that position, and you have to walk in that in those people's shoes. You, can't, you shouldn't be judging. You, you don't know what's going on there. I know. I mean, this, this there's, gives lots, you, there's lots of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of things here. I mean, first of all, there's something. So I, I told Brendan to my number to, to those parents offline um, and my mother, and, and I, I sit and have a chat with him. But, but, and I might be able to... Let me me just say, this all started when he was 10 going on 11, right? And she was highlighting something that was one or two stories from when he was 11 years old. He's 15 now and he's still continuing like this. So you sitting down talking to him, like what good will that do? Well, well, I I think talk to the parents first. I think there's a lot, right? I'm going to say something now and and people are probably going to know my back, but so be it. There is no child goes into taking drugs without a reason. There, there is no child becomes violent for other reason, right? And, and I think we need to we need to look at that. And I, again, now you see, if people hear that, say, "Oh, yeah, it's parents." It's not. And, and I've met parents from all different social strata who've had similar situations happen to themselves, and it can happen for lots of reasons. It can be this this young person at ten years of age deciding he needed to be part of a gang. He needed to feel safe. He needed to follow. Why do Why do young people congregate into gangs more often now? Well, well, I don't. I, I, I think that's a, that, that's a fallacy. Young people always gathered into gangs. I think during the pandemic it became more visible because if you know public space for young people is 
is not available. So in a normal situation, you won't have a gang standing. You do sometimes outside bars and areas like that, but you don't see it. Everyone doesn't see it. But during this pandemic, young people were meeting and, and, and it looked like there was, and some of these kids were just meeting to have, you know, with their friends. But but I do think, you know, there's a, there, whatever, whatever happens, and I, 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 you know, I suppose I'm going to talk a bit, a bit about trauma and I say, you know, a young person um, doesn't become bad overnight and, and there is something has happened. And when you're telling me, uh, if, like, if you listen to what was said there and, and look, all situations are different. He was in his son was 11. He was in his friend's house after, who was 10 and they were taking cocaine and, and Valium. Now, yeah. Yeah. that's an unusual, for, for, for that age, I, I must say that's a bit unusual, right? Because they're very high level drugs, right? But, what is he like now at 15? There's a couple of other things. It's what he's like at 15 and uh, one of the parents has been back and I, let me just correct one thing. I had assumed it was the mother. It's actually the oh, dad who sent me. I just have the letter D. It, it was actually the dad. Apparently, they have now found over 6,000 euro worth of coke and weed and hash in the house. Oh, he's a yes. dealer now. Yes, and, and, and look, believe me, that, that's, that's always the way it goes. If, if you were a young lad at 10, 11, where are you going to get the money to buy cocaine or heroin or anything else off? And, and the dealers will keep giving. And then they, they'll do one or two things. Either the lad uh, falls in line and starts stealing, or they go to the parents, they'll break up the house and look for the money from the parents. And I think there's a number of things, I think, in relation to all this. Parents shouldn't feel um, under, under threat. But I think they, they do need to engage with the 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 guards and with Tusla. Now, in a proper manner, because I think there's, there's a couple things here. If, if, this, if this young lad is that much off the rails, my suspicion is he's not attending school, right? Mm. So he's free all day to do whatever he likes. Mm. And, like, he's 15 years of age. Yeah, so... Legally, legally you're not entitled to leave school until 16. And, and, and I suppose, has that been addressed? And there's, there's areas to address that. But I, I think all, all are differently. But what I'd say But is, anyway, just, the point, just one of those points. I'm understanding more now. If, if the parents have now found 6,000 euro worth mm-hmm. of coke, weed and hash in the house, that's why they're sleeping with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes, and I mean, I, I, I could catalogue this for you. And I'm sure, I'm sure the Gary would tell you the same. Some things should be sleeping with a baseball bat on, on your coat because you own 20 euros. Um, and, and I, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's terrifying. And and you know, <laughs> dealers need to get their the, the, the drugs out there. They need them out. They don't care what age the child is. They don't care what background the child comes from. The child is vulnerable, looking for friends, maybe trying to look for status. Um, no, a strong way to look for status, but kids do. But there's lots of reasons this could, kid could be off the rails. And, and not all the time is that to do at home or to do with the parents. And they, do, they go the wrong way to try, to try and work it out. So, so you're a vulnerable kid. Just say it. And I can't say about this situation because I don't know it fully. But if you were bullied, you were constantly bullied. Just a couple of things happened. No, number one, the child withdraws and comes totally out and just stays very quiet. Number two... They go to the group that they think has the most power and look to, to ingrate them, themselves in that. Doing stuff like he did with his dad at 10, 11 years will, will help him within that group. He thinks. He then gets into the situation where he's not being bullied, but he's not stuck in a situation where he's dependent on the drugs that he can get and he's into that system. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things here, right? 
You know, you can take the words of your child um, when he's coked up and when he's, you know, whatever else he's taken um, and, and, and believe them. I, I don't believe that this kid hates his parents. I, I don't. I mean, here, here's the thing. Still at home. I bet you in his peer group, there are people that are sleeping, that are, that are, that are sleeping out in the streets. Mm. He hasn't gone there. But I think there, there is a number of things. Yeah, but I mean, like... Uh, like the, the he will end up on the streets, or he will he will end up in jail, and, and we know that a lot of the dealers use kids to distribute their coke, or distribute their cannabis, or distribute their heroin. Neil, I go, I go further. He could end up dead. Yeah, he could end up dead. And that has happened too. And I think, yeah, but but he's still He's still fifteen years of age, right? There. Don't tell the parents and don't give up hope on the child. Yeah, but you said get on, get in touch with the likes of Tusla. The dad says that he did. Um, actually, Tusla were informed by the guardie that something went on in the house when I was referring to when the kid was 11. And Tusla threatened to have the dad removed from the house and get a bar- barring order against him. You, you would surely think that Tusla would listen to a dad when he's telling them, you know, the, oh, okay. the state that his 11-year-old son yeah. is. Not be threatening to... To bar him from the house in court. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it, oh, yeah. and I, 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 that's wrong. But I, I don't know what's happened there, right? And, and I suppose, look, if you take it, right? Both parents here must be, must be off of their head. We're worried, right? If there's anger there. There's a, there's a lack of understanding. If you if you if you look at the the, the, the letter that you've got, I mean, these parents have done all, and they still can't understand what's going on. And there's an anger there then because their son is off the rails. They don't want their son dead. But would they not report the €6,000 worth of coke, weed and hash to the guardie? Would he not be better off spending time in some kind of juvenile detention centre? Or would he come out worse? Well, 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 for me, I think there's a couple of things here. The kid must be addicted to what the stage. He's taking cocaine from 10 years of age and he's still doing it. His addiction needs to be dealt with, right? Now, there are issues around that, but as I said, I'll talk to the parents. There is a line here where if a parent, and this is true of Tristan, right? They, they do the bad press, but I mean, if dad and mom phone, um, I, I don't know what side of the city they're on, right? But phone whatever side of the city on their department. They'll get to your resource worker. They will arrange a meeting for the parents to come in and chat. And and then it, it, it goes it goes that way. What what seems to have happened here is it's gone from a situation where uh, the dad was trying to take his son home. He, the pinning to the ground, you see, is, is illegal, right? So so he, the people are telling that he can't his child, he can't do this. Can't and that's that. why Tusla made the threat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so so what I think is you need to step back, go again. This child is 15 years of age. He has put himself in a very vulnerable position. Not the parents have put him there. He's put himself there. The parents are terrified. Number one, they're terrified their son is gone. Number two, they're terrified that their house is going to be attacked. Especially when you have that much cocaine and weed found in the house. The other thing here is, and I can understand parents not doing this, right? So yeah, hand the drugs off to the guards. But do you think the dealers are going to leave the, the parents get away with that? They, they won't. And so the parents are terrified. Yeah, about I forgot that. about that. I forgot about that. And, and, and like, you know, they, 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 they know it's in there. They know mom and dad are trying to hold everything together um, and trying to take their son back. 
it is a long road. Eh? It I is a long road, but it, so, it sounds to me, is it a rather hopeless road? No, no. No, no, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think if you give up hope on, on children, we're in a serious problem. I do think if you look at you already, well, it goes something you said. So if you go back to when you were growing up, or, or go back to the last year, the last set of teenagers, I went through teenagers years even, you didn't have as much heroin, cocaine on the streets as you do now. Mm. You didn't have as much um, mental health, well, maybe you have it, or mass mental health situations going on. And I think that leads you to a very hopeless position if that's what you concentrate on. But I'd like to see people concentrate as a child. Okay, so behaviour is there. Behaviour is not the choice. What has you call him you, you call him a child, like he he is fifteen now, like he's he's far from sorry, a, he's far from a child. Me, for, for me not me. It's eighteen. We all develop at different levels. Children I, I, you know, and, and, and children is, is sometimes it should be higher, but a, a child is from ought to, 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 to 18. Now, we all develop differently. So you have some children who are, we say three boys, at, at 10. And you have other young people at 16, 17 who wouldn't survive two minutes in that environment. Yeah. And yeah. See, we need to look at that, you know, the developmental stage of children, and, and I don't, don't want to go into that, but there is, and, and it, 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 a lot of trauma involved there. Now, it, people sometimes think that the trauma is always in the home. It isn't. It isn't. No, no, that's the, point. that's the point that's been hammered home in this email about people always blaming the parents, always blaming no. the parents, find the parents. It isn't that simple. You know, they reference the fact it's, that... Uh, it's, it's definitely not. And if you take, if you take this dad and mom, obviously, and because they've reached out, they're at their wit's end. They don't, they don't know what to turn to. They think that everyone is against them. I don't think that's necessarily true. So, so I'd love to see if we prepared to talk to him about that. Okay. And, and I think then, then, then would you be sitting with the youngful at all? But, well, if the parents thought it would be, if the youngful would meet me, and, and the parents thought it would be, it would, it would be, uh, it would be good. Yes, of course. I, I mean, not a problem. Maybe he's so far down the rabbit hole now, he'd be threatened by the dealers and other gang members, etc., etc., that he'd be too afraid to back out of this lifestyle at this stage. Well, well, well no. Because, look, if you're a 15-year-old and you have people threatening you because you haven't the money, they're threatening you because you haven't sold the drugs, um, you're not going to be afraid of that. You're terrified of that. So, so the child is going to want out of You it, actually right? think that there might have been a reason in the first place that he started dabbling in drugs, is it? I don't know about that. I mean, you hang out, you know, you lie down with dogs, you get fleas, as they say. Yes, yes. But but why did the young person do that? And I think because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because it's because it's cool, because it's status. Because they see it on TV and they see other fellas swaggering around town and they see their TikToks and their Instagram posts and he wants to be like them. But I mean, you're talking about a ten-year-old, right? You're talking about a ten-year-old. What has happened? If you look at a ten-year, eleven-year-old, it is it is a transfer from primary school into secondary school. If the young lad had 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 been bullied, that is, he needs to look. They will always. If look. he had, yeah, well, maybe he was. I don't know if he was or not. But well, if, say, to, say if he wasn't, look at if he if he'll have to look at how do I protect myself? Kids, kids could take the wrong choices all the time, but but it doesn't mean they're bad kids. And I mean, look, I know people outside are scoff when they hear about trauma. But, you know, I'm dealing with it day to day uh, with trauma for kids. So I'm not all of them do what this young lad has, has done. But they do deal with it. And the other end of it, 
you have young people self-harming and you have young people uh, with suicide ideation. And do they tell, do the, you know the people that you deal with at the Life Centre, do they tell you their backstory as to why they're self-harmed or why they thought about taking their own lives or why they got involved in drugs or fell off the track? Do they, do you? Well, well, well I think they do open up in time. I think there's a big thing here for, for young people. It's trust, right? As adults, and I'm not talking about the parents, the parents decide. As adults, we demand respect from children. We, we do. It's there. But when do we respect them? And, and I think the, the other it's thing... It's a dealer like they do. They give them everything in life that this fellow... No, 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 no. no. I, I said leave the parents out. Leave the parents out. And I think sometimes, you know, when you... No, and I'm talking about the dad here because I know the dad here. But when you have people coming on saying a 10, 11, 12-year-old is a scumbag, they don't, well, what's, what's that? Oh, how can you say that? What do you know that leads you to say that? What do you know about that child? And, I didn't, and the family. I mean, because this isn't the story of a 15-year-old child. This is the story of a family in turmoil, despite the best efforts of the two adults in the house. Now, it, it, sometimes parents will say, I can't manage my own children. And you, you meet them and say, I, I don't know what to do. You, you can manage your own children if you don't know what's going on with them. And, and that's not done to you all the time. Oh, I know. I know. I just, I just, think, it's, I just think that there's something seriously wrong with when he was 11 years old and the father tried to restrain or bring him home or drag him home. The kid called the guards and the guards called Tusla and the Tusla thre- threatened see, the dad. See the situation, right? You've, you've seen it. You, you know, we, we got rid of copper punishment here years ago, right? And you can't have it both ways. You can't say what happened in the 40s, 50s and 60s was was wrong. In, 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 no, in I'm not even going back there. I'm just talking about a bit no, of... But, but listen, I was thinking, just parenting. We can't say that's wrong. We can't say that's wrong. But moving forward, you, you know, you are going to get anomalies like this. And, and kids, you see, there is a helpline for kids. There is a helpline for kids because it's needed. Now, some, I'm not saying in this case... But, but it's needed. Kids have been... Oh, uh, uh, totally. And, 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 and I'm not, but I'm not... Oh, totally. And it's needed, of course. And we need child and We need be a people to be able to pick and up the phone and children tape up. But, but, but when, you have, when, you have children, when you have children who know the system, where they know how to play it, like Tostler said to him, if you ever feel scared or threatened, ring the guards or ring us straight away. It's the kid is well, in the wrong here. Well, 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 hold on a second. Surely that's a message we'd be saying. We'd be telling our children. Anyway. No, yeah, I know that. Wait a second. The law is that. The law is that. No. The law is there for a reason. But you can go wrong that law, right? I mean, that is. That wasn't arrested. That wasn't charged. People understood that anger, right? But, but like, you have to state the law. If look, and who's to say? But if a dad were to say to the guards. I did try and drag him home because I went around to the 10-year-old's house and both of them were on heroin, or sorry, both of them were on Valium and cocaine. Uh, I found him there out of his face and I tried, I'm trying, I tried to bring him home. Um, no. Surely what would happen there is that the kid would be, the kid would be referred for Valium and cocaine addiction, not the dad threatened with arrest or barring. Yeah, don't. And, and I get that. But the guys can't do that, and neither neither can twist anyway. They can't. Like if this is this is systematic as well, right? So so you you have kids that are in need of of, of, of mental health help, right? Not to be all about the people in the organisation, but our services are not capable of the overload it already has. So if this kid is fifteen. <laughs> he could wait a long time to get into those services, yeah. right? 
The other problem, the other problem is then, is that the mental health system is done. You're looking at the the the, the, the social workers and those and people can say what they like about them. These people went into that job wanting to help people. None they have huge they have huge uh, loads of, of people to see every week. It is nearly impossible for them to get around everywhere, right? But I do think we need to be asking the system to provide the support that this family needs, and particularly that these parents need. And you know, when, when you're out there, and, and I've seen this need, right? So, so, so a young person goes off the rails. That's happened many times, and it'll keep happening. And you even have people in their own family saying, don't bring him to a wedding. Don't bring him to a party. He's just going like, the impact on the parents is absolutely horrendous. They're, they become more and more isolated because they don't, they don't have friends. They're so worried about, this man is worried about Gavin's home today. He shouldn't have to do that. Mm. It, 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 there, there's a child off the rails. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. He could overdose. He's, you said it. He could get stopped in the street and, and find that amount of, of, of drugs on him. And the kid starts his, his way into the justice system. All places you don't want to be. And, and what I'm saying here is, you don't accept bad behaviour. It's simple. But you deal with it and learn what the supports are. For most people out there, they couldn't tell you where to go. If you see, kids are better informed. It's Northly and Southly, isn't it? Yeah, Northly and Southly. And, and I would say to look, bring the duty social work. Ask for a meeting. Explain what's going on. And if they need support, ask for support. Maybe for someone to go in with them, someone to sit with them, someone to sit with them before they go in, to be able to present what's going on. Because I'm telling you, parents, can you imagine the anger that parent felt when he saw his son drugged at 11 years of age? Well, I don't know would it be anger. I think it would be absolute and utter... Devastation. Devastation. And especially, and look, but people should think, people should think and stop blaming parents all the time. And yes, you, someone come back and say, well, what about these parents? Some, there might be some instance where, where that's for the, for the very, very most part. Every parent I've ever met, I've ever met, loves their children, will support their children, are terrified of losing their children. Mm. And like, Lots of parents in, in, in our city, or in the country in general, have lost kids. They've just lost them. They're, they're gone. They're dead. They're on the streets. They're wherever. And it is, it's, you know, we, we often say the worst thing that can happen to a parent is to lose one of their children. It's every parent's nightmare. This is equally as damaging because in actual fact, You've lost your choice. Okay. There's a lot of texts on this and a lot of comments, which I'll do after the break. So will you will you talk to them? I hope they feel a bit better following this conversation. But will you guide I mean, them in, in some way, shape, I mean, or form? I, I, before I came on here, uh, I gave Brenda my mobile. Thank She's you. going to give it to the family. And if they want me, I'm there. Okay, Don, thank you so much. Uh, look no, after no, yourself. No, 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 and thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking okay, the time. Text 0868104106. Don O'Leary from the Cork Life Centre. Um, I don't know whether they feel any better following that conversation or maybe there are others out there who are in a similar situation or have similar worries 
feel free to get in touch. 0868104106 by text. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Deborah said, I thought mine were testing. So sorry to hear what these parents are going through, but good and interesting to hear their point of view. It's always the parents' fault. Just goes to show it is not. Sharon says, Tusla should be do- doing more for the parents. It's disgraceful that they took their son's side when they clearly should know through the guardee that he was in the wrong put in a complaint, ask for different social workers. I don't even know if there's a social worker involved. Pauline says, I blame the governments. They took away the rights of parents and teachers to discipline their children accordingly. When I was a child, if I had turned, uh, if I turned a word on my parents, I like that phrase, turned a word on my parents, I, I was sure never to do it again. We learned to respect with a good whipping. And it did us no harm. Kids nowadays are holding society to ransom. Well, I don't know about the whipping. I think that says uh, that, that as a society, we become afraid to discipline our kids if and when they become out of line. And we're afraid because of perse- persecution from the powers that be. Remember when I was young and did anything out of line, my mum got wind of it. It'd be a slap of the dreaded wooden spoon. We weren't long towing the line afterwards. Too much red tape these days. Not enough discretion it's all in favour of the kids and not the parents. Well, I don't think you'd be able to do anything like that now to a 15-year-old that's off the, ra- off the rails and possibly out of it on drugs. Uh, sounds like you'd have to be cruel to be kind. Uh, call Tusla and tell him you just can't manage the kid. Being in foster care might make him realise what a loving dad and family he has. Yeah, but... There's a gamble in that. He could also go the other way, couldn't he? Uh, right, I will come back to a lot more text. I don't have much time this side of uh, this side of 10. But Emma, good morning. Good morning. You, you, you say that these parents need to do what you did. What did you do and why? All right. Um, when my son was about eight, nine... Can I just ask you, 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 you your, your son or children aren't in the care of social workers or the, the you know, Tussler or anything like that, are they now? No, okay. no. Okay, no. okay. I do eat. Thankfully, we didn't need them as far Thank as... Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, when my son was about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and kind of into his 13th, he went off totally off the rails. We were living in Dublin. I'm living in Psycho now. Um, and we were living in an area that was influenced majorly by drugs, drink, and as that man put in his text, scumbags, basically. Yeah. So I had I had Tusla at my door. I said, All right, come on in, no problem, sit down. Oh, your son is this, your son is that, you know, there's issues at home, there's no issues at home. I said, May I show you something? Showed him his bedroom, showed him the fridge, showed him the presses. I said, Does my does my child look neglected to you? Oh well, no. I said, So well, well, what bull are you being fed? Oh, your son, you know, we've had phone calls from the guards and he says, hold up, hold up, I'll show you something now. I had a diary. I kept a diary of every incident, time, who he was with, when it happened, how long it happened for. Oh, she was gobsmacked, didn't know what to say. I says, hold up, I also have a phone and I have video footage I said of my child, I said, behaving the way he's behaving. Mm. So showed it that. Oh, okay. Well, we got an entirely different story. Mm. Of course you would. Mm. Of course you would. I said it's all, it's all a story with ten minutes added. I said because it's gone down the grapevine. So he had behaved one day. I think he was about 
10, 11, and I remember it was the, the football World Cup type thing, and my child is an absolute fanatic on football, always has been. And as a punishment, he wasn't allowed to watch it. So he decided to get out his bedroom window. I went in, had a check. It says, right, it's tea time. Couldn't find him. He's what, 11, car, 10 right? or 11 now at this age? He was about, about 10 or 11 okay. at this age. All right, okay. And got in the car, cool as a cucumber, rang the guards. I says, I, I says, I will be around. I says, when I find my son. He says, what do you mean? I says, I'll be around. I says, I'll tell you the story. So I got around. I says, right. This young, I found him eventually, but 20 minutes later, I found him hiding in a park. Um, brought him around to the guards and I says my son is jumping out his window um, total attitude and when I mean trying to put it up to me I mean trying to put it up to me I said don't even play that game with me not happening um, guards put him he was we found out that he was robbing he was actually going to the local supermarket and robbing for the chocolate he was going into school he was robbing in school so I said, no, not happening. Absolutely not happening. Um, guards put him in handcuffs, put him into the cell. To put a, an 11-year-old in handcuffs in a cell? Yes, yes. And I allowed them to do it. I wanted to freak him out to a point that he would get... He would actually be afraid, afraid to do something out of the ordinary for a child of his age. So they showed him fo- fo- old footage uh, with the faces blocked out of people that started off like him that ended up a lot worse. You know, yeah. drugs, yeah. alcohol, you name it. Um, showed him tie. So he, um, okay, your, your lad, he wasn't doing drugs or dealing or using or anything we, like that. He wasn't drinking. We he, don't know what he, we don't know what he was doing. We but, know he was drinking. We know he was drinking. He used to come in drunk. I was oh, like, okay, you're not okay. going back outside that door. And you would no. have conversations with him, trying to reason with him and all that. You did everything oh, yeah. you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Um, I remember two slit and everything wanted to get involved. And, you know, I said, it's not happening. I said, you can come in, you can check him out. I said, you can take him for evaluations. You can do what you need to do. I said, but I'm a bloody good mother. I said, okay, I may not be with his father and I haven't been with his father for the last six years. Right. But... His father has a wife who adores him. His father adores him. I adore him. My partner adores him. I said, he has a vast, vast family. Now, the situation that we were in where we lived in Dublin, as I said, was a huge kind of drug, alcohol, kind of an orientated kind of a community. So you could see where his life would ultimately go and you wanted to put oh, a stop to it as, at the earliest yeah. time. So, so he's inside in the cell. What happened? Uh, did he spend long in there? Uh, but half an hour. It was just enough to, for him to realise that if he needed to go to the toilet, he had to do it in public, basically. Now, obviously, he didn't go to the toilet in there. But it was just to show him the kind of life that he would have been left with if he had gone down that road. And did it make a difference? Yes. He is 18 in two weeks' time. And he is, I have two, three children. And he is amazing. He is the softest kindest young And do you talk about those times now? Yes. What does yes, he say about we do. them? We are, I'd asked him, I said, why do you reckon? I said, you would have ended up, I said, if I'd not kind of jumped in and done we don't. He says, my, he says, I, he says, I actually freak out at thinking, he says, what could possibly happen? He's so, so easily led. I remember a guy saying to us a few years back, 
If you don't do what a parent needs to do, a, par- a child has enough friends, has more than enough friends, they don't need their mother to be a friend to. They need their mother to be a mother. I know, but, you, I know, but I, I, I'm so delighted it worked out for you. But he equally could have come out of the cell and rang Tusla and said the guards put an underage child in a cell. There could have been murder over that. Oh, I know. I got in contact with Tusla. Oh, I got in contact with Tusla. I told Tusla, I have to do something now before my child ends up somewhere that I'm not going to be able to get him from. I'm not going to be able to pull him out of that hole and, you know, and help him. I need to put my foot down. I was always brought up that if you hurt a child, if you if if you slap a child, smack a child, it beats animosity into them. It doesn't make them better. It can actually make them worse. Depending yeah, well, on the child. There's a study out this week that said just that. It makes things worse, not better. It does. And you know what? No child is brought into this world to be smacked. No child. Absolutely none whatsoever. I've always had a stance on that. Okay, okay. I'm I'm out of time now, but I I will come back to you for maybe 60 or 90 seconds after 10. Just with words of advice for this couple, for these parents, if you can hold on. I hope you can, Emma. Back after 10. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my... My interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Emerald Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Don't forget, it's day four of our giveaways in association with the Living Dreams Furniture and Bedding in Little Island. We have 400 euro vouchers and around about half past 11 there, thereabouts, we'll have some more calls and emails and texts with regards to your own dreams. The freaky, vivid dreams. The funny, the sad, the premonitions, the ones that came true. So keep sharing those dream stories. Uh, you can text 0868104106, email neil at redfm.ie and make sure that you include a mobile phone number, uh, a 400 euro voucher for living dreams. They're down uh, in modern spacious showrooms in the Little Island Commercial Park behind the NCT. All right, so 400 euro for you to do as you wish. Lines are open, lots of texts and emails. Just want to finish my conversation with, uh, with Emma from just before 10 and ask for maybe some advice for the parents uh, who got in touch with me by email. So, Emma, what advice would you give? I mean, you got lucky. What about them? Okay. I remember the likes of a child that was like my son and like that callers. No child is a monster that you cannot curb. There is something, absolutely something in a child's psyche that you can pull them back from. Always. There's always something. My advice at the moment, given the fact that Tulsa, Tulsa, Tulsa is on the child side and the guards seem to be on the child side, a diary, video evidence if possible. And if anyone knocks on their door stating that your child done this or your child done that, you know, ask them to do a statement, email it. Build up, build up as much paperwork as possible. Behavioural, it's almost like a behavioural profile that you're getting from an outside source. Okay, what do you do with, and what do you do with all of that and how does that help the kid? If it comes to it that Tuslin knocks back on the door again or the guards, you've got that information, you put it down in front, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm trying to tell you from day one, what my child is doing, what he's getting up to and his behaviour. I am asking you for help. I would also get in contact with... See, when Tuesday see this in paper, and they have got this trail of everyone who has knocked on your door, like me, I had the skill. I don't think 
by listening to that man's story, chances are that child is not going to school. Probably not. Yeah, Don said that as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would also have, not only would I have a diary on his behaviour, I would have a diary on if he sleeps, if he eats, if he washes. A lot, a lot of that, a lot, it could be something like a conductive behavioural issue where it starts off like ODD, the oppositional defiancy disorder. And then when they get older, it actually becomes into a conduct, conducive or conductive defiancy disorder where they become physically, physically dangerous and they rebel to the point that they get so far down that rabbit hole, it's so hard to pull them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be the but next it, stage then. I don't mean to be frightening them, but that possibly could be the next thing. Quite possibly, quite possibly. And it's horrible to think that your child, that you are doing everything in your power to help this child. And then you have forces like Tusla, the guards, and they're all behind the child. I understand that they're supposed to be behind the child because they're there for the child. But they're not helping that child's situation if they don't take their finger out and see the real situation that's going on. So if this man has paperwork saying, look, it's not just me. I have people knocking on my door. This is what's happening. I am asking you for help. Now, you cannot fault black and white information. Not just from the parent, but for whatever this child's getting involved in. I would also get a list together of the potential people that you know your child is hanging out with. Well, we know of five grand's worth of, um, it was there on the screen, it's gone now, but uh, five grand worth of drugs. I see photographs of cannabis and I see tablets and pills and what have you. So we know what he's, you know what? We know what he's hanging all out with. All this, all this drugs and everything. I mean, there's so much. Like the guys are pulling people over for, you know, the tracks being out for 10 days. Or they're pulling people over because their tire was slightly worn. They're not in. They're not doing what they need to do. The likes of getting these drug dealers off the road. This is not, and especially now with COVID, it's not helping at all. Now, I know this child is 15 and his issues have started from quite an, an early 10 age. and 11, well, yeah. You, yeah. Exactly. You can't blame the parents and everything. And it's unfair because social media has a huge part to play. They can read everything and anything. You can't smack your child. You can't do this. You can't do that. At 15, my kid literally had to beg me for phone. Beg me for phone. They were inside the door six o'clock every single evening. Now, even my young flat, what, he's 18 in two weeks' time. Mm. He still has a time frame to come in. Mm. I okay. still need to know who he's with at all times. All right. Okay. You know? Okay. Okay. I know it's easier for me to say I, I came out, you know, and my son came out the better end of this. And I know not every parent is, you know, as well, I know. I just, I mean, I, just, I think it was incredible sticking him in a cell for half an hour, you know, whether. It is. It is. <laughs> But Whether that could be done now, that was that was six years ago, seven years ago or so. But it certainly yeah. seemed to make a difference. So, but, but the fright of the him way, oh, it is. It's. I would rather see him being frightened, frightened by something that can be removed from him, like a handcuff, like a door being opened, rather than my child sitting in that cell, you know, for years and years and years. And he'd be lucky if he gets to sit in the cell. I could end up burying him. I could have ended up burying him. Okay, okay. So I would rather that half an hour sitting in a cell contemplating, oh my God, I do not want to end up in this. This right. is not what I want. I know it's scary. I know it's scary for them. 
but sometimes you have, like like the last caller said, or one of your messages had stated, you have to be cruel to be kind. Okay, listen, I appreciate you taking the call and waiting around and coming back on again. Uh, it's food for thought, Emma. Good luck and I uh, hope your son has a great 18th birthday. It's not too far away. Thank you very much. And I wish the best to that. Cheers. Poor man. Okay. I really do. Thank you. There was a report out there recently that said smacking children does not make them better behaved and it's harmful. It found that children subjected to physical punishment displayed increased behavioural problems, not less, and that it was likely that smacking had caused the increase. This was true regardless of the child's sex or ethnicity or the family's overall parenting uh, style. Sarah says, sounds like you do have to be cruel to be kind. Kerry says, every parent's worst nightmare. That's the sad thing nowadays. They know we can't do anything to them because they can ring the guards, report the parents. I hope those parents find help somewhere. It may take f- it may take for him to get into trouble with the guards before he gets a good fright. Claire says that son needs help. Why hasn't he got it? On coke at such a young age, dealing now actually at 15. Uh, should have made you or whoever is his guardian aware of that. Um, have you actually talked to any professional to get your child ac- access to a program? You can apply to the courts to get him admitted if he refuses to go. Um, you need to talk uh, talk to organisations that will put you in touch with professionals. Well, good luck with that, with the backlog, unfortunately. Uh, young offenders need more than cautions, Neil. Sometimes, something like a, a boot camp. After one caution is needed, boot camp. One month in a tough boot camp would make a big difference. They don't exist, do they, boot camps? You're suggesting they should. If not, and they re-offend, then three months to six months, whatever it takes. Something more than cautions is needed for under-18s because they have no fear. Uh, I want to clear an ad break, guys, if you don't mind. I'll talk to Bernard O'Hare after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Bernard, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? you I'm good. You, you say, looking back at your life, you say, I'm a carbon copy of that young man. I was awful when I was younger. I had drug dealers on my back. My dad actually took a protection order out against me. I've been to hell and back. But there is hope for the parent, for the parents and for that young man. You really were through the ringer if your dad took a protection barring order against you, yeah? Yeah, that was in the later teens now, and that was back in, I suppose, the, 19, uh, the late 90s, you know. Um, there was actually a protection and a barring order. But how did it get uh, that bad? Because I was associating with some very hardened, I was supposed to say hardened criminals, but some, uh, I suppose, heavy duty people, you know. Um, and my, I suppose my dad knew how dangerous they were. I, I'm not proud to admit any of this stuff. But the reason why, I, like as I said, I wrote it, or when I read it, that I got on to shame about it because I'm not a member of the joint or, you know, blame the parents club. Um, I put my parents to hell over the years, you know. Um, started off very young. Like How young? My parents. Uh, well, my parents broke up when I was about 10, 11 years of age. Um, there was something traumatic that happened to me when I was a kid. And then I can't put it right in words, but something clicked, you know. And then I just became very aggressive from about that age, uh, right through my teens. I mean, I first started drugs when I was 11. Um, when, when I say drugs, I mean, you know, stealing painkillers or tablets or whatever I could find. And the thing is, there was never any drugs in the house, like that man said in your post, you know. Mm. Um, and then, I suppose, I like getting kicked out of every school I ever went to. I got kicked out of Utrecht's. Things ended up 
like in in one case ended up in court over what happened at, at, at a school in terms of fighting, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say over the years, yeah, we've had like I I know I was responsible for it. Um, my dad had cars burnt out. Um, from his business, he used to have a taxi business, you know. You didn't uh, you didn't burn them out? Is it the people you owed money to or something or, or what? Yeah, 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 threatening and uh, because uh, and then when we're talking about intimidation by uh, guards, it's not that easy to co- come forward to guards. Uh, with parents, you know, and I, I know that as a person who has been put through it by dealers, by serious criminals, even at a young age. That um, were you dealing well, for them? Is it and ended up owing them money or something like that? It was a little bit of both. Yeah. In that, like, there was times there where um, I actually got into debt. It started off very small. I remind you, I'll tell you something in a second, but it wasn't so much that I was dating, but I ended up getting used as a money mule. And suspected and stuff as well, and which actually ended up ruining my whole life. What's a money Not mule? How, do, how does that work? Do you know where people suspect? You know, for you, you could get access to accounts and money, then be transferred in and out. I mean, this is—I know this is, seems to be prevalent in the last year or two, I suppose, in Ireland. But even going back, dealing with this. 15, 20 years ago, using you know? other people's accounts to hide drug money. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. and other forms of criminal activity and all, I suppose, money laundering is what you'd really call it, like, but um, it's the pressure that they put on, you know, or wow. put under. It really has moved on, hasn't it? Oh, it has. Uh, if, uh, uh, one thing that really kind of what these young people don't realise is, and people say the fright, they say the fright of the law, it's it's the fright from what the, what basically drug dealers are doing to kids and what they're doing then to their families, you know. That's a bigger worry than being caught by the guards. Absolutely. I could tell you a story there if you want, if you have a minute or two, and if you want to talk about frightening a young person there. Um, and I, I heard what you were saying to Don, and actually I was going to suggest, I was going to say if I could talk to him myself, but Don's a good man, you know, he yeah. knows what he's talking about. Yeah. But many years ago, I actually got in trouble with a fella, right? And turn, um, it's a long story. There's some stuff where you have to keep from, you know. I tell you outside of this interview, but basically, got um, I was in trouble and got thirty ecstasy tablets off him, you know. And um, he then demanded all every single penny of it, which amounted to 150 euro at the time, you know. Mm. And um, I, I, I ran him for a couple of weeks, and there was threats going over and back, and. And then there was one time there was just something going on and uh, I just didn't really have somewhere proper to stay and I had been staying with a friend. But basically this guy caught up to me one day and didn't, um, I couldn't run anymore. So he ended up, him and another fella threw me in the back of a car and brought me to a house and tied me up for a few hours and done some horrible things. Nothing sexual now, but mm. uh, it, it, it was something close to, do you know what the next level up was? And people might think this is a, an exaggeration. The next level up is what something like what happened with that young lad, Mulleridi Woods, there, you know, 17 year old. Yeah, how old How old were you? It's same age. 17? Same age. Yeah, yeah, I was going on, just going on 17 because I actually, 17, like, but... Um, Did they let you go? I mean, they were demanding money, weren't they? Oh, they got that and a hell of a lot more. A hell I'd of a lot more. Years of intimidation need, you know. I and the 30 ecstasy tablets, Sorry. were they? Were you dealing in those then at the time, was it? Yeah, well, what happened was I wasn't actually a dealer-dealer, if you know what I'm saying. I just had the inner circle where I knew that people would take them 
um, I knew that, you know, kind of, even adults, I was even giving them to adults. You know? And do you think that this childhood trauma and the breakup of your parents' relationship um, was the reason behind all of this? Well, I know, look, legally I won't say his name, okay? No, I'm not interested in anybody's names. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they told you yeah. that already, yeah. Yeah that's, yeah, that's no problem. I totally understand that, mate, and I do get that. But I was abused in school All right, when well, I was a kid. Yeah, I, I won't even go. I'm just, asking you a stra- yeah, I'm just asking you a straight question. Obviously, oh, that yeah. had a very traumatic effect on yeah, a young yeah, boy yeah. like you. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Look, as I said to you, I first started experimenting with drugs from 11 or 12 years of age, and then I suppose over the years, then um, just it just progressed and, and uh, evolved, you know. Um, to the point, no, as they say, where your family couldn't be around you anymore, didn't feel safe around you anymore. You had put them. You you were going to hell, but they had been to hell and back as well because of the, because of you. Yeah, yeah. I um, I Neil, I I done everything to them. I broke his heart. I, you know, my mum passed away there last year, and even I remember a story from years ago where she had to come and she wasn't very well herself. God rest her soul, but she had to come and meet me with a couple of hundred euro. And I didn't even, I don't even think I said thanks to her. I just got the money and just left and gave it to him. And you think I would have made or learned my lesson from that. Did she give you money to pay off a dealer, was it? Yeah. 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 And, and. I'd say that's happening a lot. Would you say that that's happening a lot? Sorry? Would you say that's happening a lot with parents? A hundred percent. And listen, uh, if, even if you look at the Irish Sun there today, and I was reading it just before I came on, actually I was reading it online, and what's happening in County Loud is that it's drug debt turns from 20 quid to 40 quid. Now, I've seen that through the streets here, through the activity of the homeless ones, but I ended up getting thousands and thousands and thousands of euros, and I'm talking thousands of euros into debt with a fella a number of years back. That was ridiculous, because all he was doing, I know I might sound like a, you know yourself, but he was all he was doing was bullying me, harassing me constant. It was going on constantly. And what if I was supposed to give him... One money on one day, you know the payment day. Yeah, uh, he. I'd say, oh look, I can't get it till the morning because the person that's not giving it to me won't be home till then. Oh well, if you don't want to hide, no, if you don't want your house burnt, you know your car burnt. There's an extra thousand euro on the bill, and I was like, and I used to agree to it the whole time, but it got so ridiculous in the end. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just. Yeah, it's I, just. I it's, com- it's completely out of control. And where did you yeah. end up homeless then because of all of that? I did well. It, it spiraled for years, Neil, from about fifteen, sixteen on. That's when it got really bad. And I know you might say like twenty six was when I left Sligo. We had a chat about this actually before a couple of years back, two thousand seventeen, I think it was. But um, I didn't tell you the full story then. It spiraled all the way over the years. I had some good parts, but culminated in I lost my home, my family. I had a breakdown due to drugs and drink. You know. Um, and and you know trauma, but I, I don't share this with many people. Only when I only talk about it when it can help someone. But um, I was going to be killed. Neil, active threats. Um, I was getting it from all sides, and that was as a relate or the domino effect, I suppose, over the years of um, been involved in that kind of thing or have some sort of connection to it. You know. Yeah, and I understand that because we do hear of yeah. people being killed and uh, you know hitmen being involved. You often hear of the. The, the the shootings on the streets, primarily in Dublin, I have to say, uh, and well, you often wonder, like, why is that? Well, I I see well, these stories and I think yeah. they're drug related every single time. Well, in where I'm from now in Sligo, 
originally we had I don't want to even talk about drug feuds, drug deaths, and we had like four murders in two years. There's you could look all this stuff up yourself. I I murder for saying this to people, but Google, but it's it's and it's not trying to you know blacken the name of the whole town because again this is right across Ireland. But when you came to uh, Cork, then did things get better or worse? Uh, I'd like to say better, but uh, like they did the first few years was hard. Because I began, I, I have a, a, an active trip, but I had a thing from back home hanging over me. So I couldn't relax in my life. What made the difference for me was starting to volunteer, you know, different places. And you know, I even ended up doing my own thing. But because of other stuff that was going on in my life that I didn't, I wasn't happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. There was, you were carrying an awful lot of past with you, obviously. Yeah. But you sure. never, did, did you Did you ever move on to heroin or anything like that? No, no, Neil, but I'm glad you actually, well, not in glad, sorry, the way I said that, um, you're bringing it up because I actually had a slip off cocaine recently, first time in five years. Um, not to worry. I actually reached out to Seamus, Seamus Whelan that works with you. Yeah. Good friends with Seamus, like, you know, open up and chat to him and he got me an appointment I'd probably had something to do with yourselves as well and Chuck Mayer, you know, and yeah. go back there now. But, I'm glad, um, I'm glad he was able to do that for you. Yeah, well, and and what, what happened? I, did you put yourself in a in a bad place, bad people, or did just somebody just offer it to you? Yeah, well, what happened was, and it was very, this is the guilt of it too, was that, and this is why a lot of young people stay in it as well, like, I suppose, but like, there was grief. There's my personal life is a mess, you know, employment and you know things like that. And I didn't even do it after Mum passed away or any of my friends. It, it, it was just too many doors were shut my face or too many friends were leaving, and it just it kind of dominoes. You know what I mean? Ah, it's just overwhelmed. You, I know. I can imagine. And it was. It was only the one time. It genuinely was only the one time with that stuff. But I was just, um, you know. So, and I tell you, it's not like I'm trying to be an expert. I just. You know, it's nice to let people know as well that these things happen, but the problem is massive out there. I mean, I'm not trying to come down hard in the guards, but someone needs to step up big time in this country and protect parents and especially young people from what's going on. And you look across social media, it's the attitude is the same on homeless people, or in homeless or such, but addicts in the city there, um, you know, it's all like oh, the violence, violence, violence. That's people's answer for everything, you know. It's protection that they need by law and uh, it's community because if you're going to blame parents then you might as by reason and logic you might as well blame each other because we turn a blind eye to so much and pretend we have seen nothing and heard nothing you know but in the case of that email uh, this is a lovely these are lovely parents this kid never mm-hmm. wanted for anything as yeah. powerful words he wants to be a scumbag he he, he seems yeah. some, it's alluring to him it must be a status thing or it must be a cool thing to do, you know. Well, the way I look at that, Neil, and I, 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 I'm not proud of admitting this, obviously, it's the same train of thought now, but when I was back then and, and, and over the years, I wanted to be one too. I just didn't know that's what they were called to get me. Mm. Um, some yeah. of them did get me involved in some little doing runner messages and others, then I just got to ha- hang out with them. You know, I think the reason why people go into other people's arms in terms of when other people's arms, but, um, you know, feel more comfortable as such or, or lowered in, it's not just because of the money. It's that they, these fellas, they know, are not going to make them hold responsibility for their actions, for their criminals after all. Mm. Whereas your parents and the people who really love you will 
wanted to hold responsibility. But, yeah, but in the know, eyes of a 12 or 13 or 14 year old, should parents know nothing? Should they don't? Like that's oh, listen, they... I listen. And again, I'm, I probably sound like the biggest scumbag myself. Again, there's more stuff as a charity outside of this. I don't. I. I, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think anybody listening would think that. They think you've yeah. been in a very. You've had a very very tough life, and you're doing your best to, you know, to to correct no, it. Okay, you had a slip. Forget about that. Don't don't own yeah. that. Just keep moving forward. I think people wish you the best of luck. But yeah. you know, you know and I it, felt guilty as well when I read your email about saying that to the parents, and I used to say that horrible stuff to my dad the whole time. He'd attack me and I'd say some stuff like that, Lord and. Did you ever make up with them? Um, fuck, did you? Yeah, well, I, I kind of, we're kind of tender hooks at the moment, but look, we, we, we get there. We're, we're best friends or worst enemies, you know? Yeah. Do you feel guilt for your ma'am? Absolutely. Um, Neil, what I told you about what happened and what I've done over the years, you know, it wasn't until she passed away that I realised how much she loved me and she was, oh, I heard all the stories and everything and just, even that story that I was told about was reminded about what I'd done years ago where she had to come and meet me. She wasn't well, but she still had to come and meet me, you know? And then when I was down here, all she wanted me to do was stay down here. She loved the whole media thing. She loved the whole, you know, like she was all telling people about it. She was amazed that I could turn it around. And it was her that gave me the encouragement to do what I yeah, do because yeah. she says, it's my story. No one can take that away. Yeah. And as long as you're doing something right, that that's, you know, there's a positive, what I'm saying as well, it's not about pity, there's a positive to the negative. And I think one of the you positives know? would be for you to chat with this lad as well. Say, listen, I was you, you know. I have no problem doing it because of all the, the topics that we cover, you know, we, we've talked about mental health, we've talked about um, homelessness, etc. And this is the stuff I haven't talked to anyone about. And I never really kind of deal with it, but I think it's important that people know, whether it's me or whether it's someone else out there, people need to step up and talk to people like this and take off the plaster and just say it the way it is because it's the only way you're going to figure things out, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, my man, good to catch up as always. Best of luck going forward, you know? And uh, if, yeah. if, it, if it can happen, maybe you might be able to chat with those parents or chat with the lad and just maybe show him, I don't know, you know, what could happen Whatever, Whatever is needed, if there's any way at all. Okay. As long as it gets to help, that's all that all matters. Right. Okay, you're the greatest. Thanks, Bernard. Best yeah. of luck. See Appreciate you, you taking the call. Right. Take care. Bernard O'Hare. Text 0868104106. A uh, couple of texts on this. It's not the parents' fault. Uh, most parents try their best, but if kids get in the wrong crowd, there's nothing they can do except maybe lock them up. Um, I feel sorry for mom and dad, particularly dad. How do you help this child when all he's doing is ringing the guards on his father and he gets... Uh, the father ultimately thrown out of home. Um, there is always an underlying issue to explain bad behavior, Neil. Maybe he was bullied or had gone through some sort of bad experience that the parents know nothing about. Uh, he is 15 now, so has no clue what his path in life will lead him to. He needs to be told or shown. Well, that's how Bernard could help, I think. Uh, he needs to be told or shown where he can end up if he continues to behave this way. Tell him he has choices to make instead of telling him what to do if that's not working. Uh, Tussler are useless and wouldn't and I wouldn't rely on public services. They're overwhelmed and everything takes forever. Hopefully ye can help him to see and get sense. Regina says I lock my door at night. If they're not in by a certain time, then tough luck. Tough love is needed. Lock them out. Anna Lee, you've tried to give him anything and everything and that hasn't worked. Uh, sit him down and tell him he's a minor. You have a legal requirement to pri- provide him with food, shelter and clothing. Clothing will not be brand names, no pocket money, no uh, phone. 
that you do not reward bad behaviour. He has a choice either to come right uh, or get the bare legal requirement. It's just reams of these texts, 0868104106. I will come back to them, of course, in the morning. Um, Adam, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, have, you're aware of the email? Have, have you read it? Have you seen it at this stage? You know that story? I had seen it. I had seen it on Red FM's oh. Facebook page. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your thoughts? I was really shocked by uh, how many people responded in this day and age with uh, an immediate sentiment of, oh, well, that child hasn't been hasn't been hit enough, essentially, as a, as a disciplining measure. Uh, there's a lot of people sort of saying, well, uh, you know, I would have got a good hiding. I mean, the cop in, this, in the email who's referenced said, you know, he, if it was my son, he would have got more than just pinned to the floor. Yeah, here's um, another I example of that. Pauline says, they, Pauline says, they took away the rights of parents and teachers to discipline children accordingly. When I was a child, if I had turned a word on my parents, I was sure I'd never do it again. A good whipping did us no harm. That's the kind of text you're referring to. And that's a, that's just, I mean, that truly is appalling in this day and age. I mean, this, the, within the field of human society, there's a lot of things that are very complicated. And this is perhaps one of the most complicated because you've got, you've got adolescence, you've got drugs, you've got all sorts of things. But the research on this is very, very clear. This is a, this area of disciplining children and physical punishment has been researched for decades, and the, the research is incredibly clear that physical punishment, which is the application of force to to create pain without creating long term injury, uh, as a as a disciplining measure, this does not work. It it actually causes more problems, especially down the line. But well, what about all those that trauma. say that it didn't do them any harm back in the day? Well, it, it may well. I mean, you can see, you know, there's people out there who say, you know, well, I, I drive after a few drinks and I've never hit anybody. I mean, the, we don't True. take these on individual cases. True. We take these on societal research. There's a there's a great study called the Gershoff 2002 uh, Literature Review, which is a study of 92 other studies. So it's a massive, massive meta study. And it found the only the only thing that can be found as a constant through all this is that it might not always, but it might achieve an immediate compliance. So if you're, if you're saying, don't do that, and you give them a slap, they might immediately uh, stop what they're doing. But it also says, however, it can lead to all sorts of long-term problems with, you know, breakdown of parent-child relationship, increased child aggression, leading to increased adult aggression, risk of mental health problems, risk of getting in trouble with the law. The research is really, really clear on this, that, that physical discipline doesn't work. What, what, what is the response then instead? Yeah, I was going to ask you, that, so you if know, we park that and nobody should be hitting kids, I actually agree with that 100%. What should, we, what should happen? Well, the difference between physical punishment and true discipline is that discipline is supposed to be about guidance. It's teaching children. It's about helping their, their moral, their emotional, their physical development, encouraging them on, you know, what families and society think of as good practice. And to be fair to parents, this is a complicated world. I mean, as you, as I think it was yourself said earlier on, you know, the amount of cocaine and other drugs that are available to children that weren't available to children previously has added a whole new complexity to this. But I think one thing is, you know, parents need more support and they need more support from the, from society and from services. Um, and I really just think uh, my a huge amount of empathy goes out to any parent or child that's in this, in this situation mm. and a huge amount of respect to the community and voluntary associations and community groups out there you, you know your first guest today was a great all too often it is volunteers and it is um, and that's who are picking up that's who are picking up the tab and dealing with the mental health problems dealing right. with these issues is often often charity or volunteers and I think any any state 
uh, government or uh, political people listening today should have a hard listen to this because this is an issue that is only getting worse across Ireland. And have you kids? No, I actually don't. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who say that I therefore have no right to... Uh, to well, they might say you've no it. skin in the game if you're not rearing children yourself, you see. But I'm a member of society and I, I'm empathetic and I see, I, I live up in Belfast and I see young kids, you know, I see young kids on the street. I can tell that they have drug problems. They're clearly suffering from homelessness and it breaks your heart to see. And I, whenever it comes to making opinions on these things, I don't just have a think and go, well, I think it's this. I look at the research, I look at the studies and they're all very, very, very clear. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you taking the call. Uh, a lot of emails and texts on this. Just read the post about from the dad about his son. It's heartbreaking to read it. I was that kid doing drugs at a very early age, binge drinking constantly, putting my parents through absolute hell, even though I had great parents and I never wanted for anything. I brought it all into my marriage, too, until I nearly lost absolutely everything. And believe me, uh, I lost a lot including my marriage, quite young. This boy needs so much help that his dad can't give him, which is very hard to hear and very hard to accept. But it took four treatment centres over six years for me to be able to accept the help I so badly needed. But of course, I didn't want it. This boy is young and I get him so much from what I've read. My heart goes out to his dad and partner because I saw my parents go through it all and again lately with my own brother. So when you're looking at it from the outside in, it's only then you realise the hurt, the pain, the suffering you have caused for so long. I hope this family gets some help and can find some peace. Don't give up my details. That's very interesting because Bernard O'Hare was saying the same thing as you. When you're looking at it from the outside in, it's only then you realise the hurt and the pain and the suffering you've caused for so long. Uh, There are a lot uh, of emails on this and other associated issues with regards to Uh, issues within the home Um, please mention this but keep me anonymous Um, I have two teenage girls last year we lost everything through my husband's gambling addiction we lost our home the whole lot they've had such a tough time well I'm sure you did too never mind your two teenage daughters they've had such a tough time needless to say we are no longer together as not only was it the gambling but down through the years there were numerous affairs too I'm still trying to pick up the pieces. My question is, I'd love if I could take the two of them away for a day uh, or somewhere like that. How can I do this on the cheap? Are there any places that you can buy concessionary tickets? I'm blue in the face, constantly entering Facebook competitions for makeup, for holiday vouchers. But I really think my luck has completely run out. Please don't go over my details as my daughters would be so embarrassed by this. Thank you. Um, that's as much as I know uh, about what you're telling me. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, you've lost everything through uh, clearly your husband's gambling addiction meant that the mortgage wasn't being paid or his contribution to it and bills mounted up and the banks got involved and then it led to uh, warnings and red letters and everything was ignored. And ultimately, I don't know where you're living now or how you managed to to survive all of that but clearly you are with your daughters but I'm not sure where you're living so um, if I could get a little bit more information on that you talk about um, you know going away for the day there there are a few wonderful options here on Leaside that we'd be very happy to organise a family pass for you I mean straight away Photo Wildlife Park springs to mind place that I'm encouraging people to go this summer is Spike Island if you haven't been there for the first time to take the little ferry trip out there and spend a morning or indeed an entire day out there so there are two that uh, jump off the page so come back to me with a little bit more information on that and there's no problem at all starting out um, maybe, maybe there are people listening who would like to uh, uh, you know send you a, a family voucher for something that they're doing um, 
So come back with a bit more information and away we go. Text 0868 Shane is standing by. Back after this. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. You can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. A lot of texts from yesterday on lots of different topics. I see very interestingly people with regards to communions and conf- confirmations are very annoyed. Uh, Jill got in touch with me on my Instagram page to say, what can I say? What a shower of Muppets running our country. We had our baby girls confirmation supposed to be Monday everything ordered and sorted we were heading to Killarney for a few days with her as no indoor dining unless you are staying in a hotel only to be told that it won't be going ahead what a joke it was going to be class by class but yet they could change the rules for matches in Croke Park effing joke and a very upset girl you should be highlighting this we can't go on like this it's not fair on us not the younger generation. Massive response, of course, to the announcement regarding, uh, you know, delaying hospitality and what have you. I think the government need to introduce a back to confirmation and communion allowance. How many times have we been cancelled? Our confirmations next Monday. We were given a month's notice to get ready and now those clothes won't fit by the time the next date is made. It's a disgrace. They gave the go ahead and stopped it then a few days later. Tony Hoolan has recently come out in the last 24 hours and said that he never recommended the communions and confirmations should stop. Morning, Jay says, my daughter's school was informed three weeks ago the confirmations would go ahead on July 5th. Then this week's announcement, someone asked Leo if confirmations and communions scheduled for July would go ahead and apparently he said no. We've now been contacted by the school and they said they just don't know. Five days away from the date and everything's up in the air. Please find out if they're going ahead or not. It's so unfair on the kids and parents. The government doesn't care about anyone, young or old. Perhaps you could find out that would be great. I, 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 I can go back and check again, but my understanding is that they're off. And then we had lots then on the New World Order, and I know the chain will probably want to talk about this and to join me in a couple of seconds. But love the show on people saying that it's the New World Order uh, that is behind COVID. Can I just say that that's bonkers? To suggest that all world leaders are getting together and try to control us simply when you can't get the world leaders to agree on anything else. Do you really think the likes of Putin and Biden and Johnson are are like all in agreement on this? Do you not think that one of them would eventually slip and let the COVID cat out of the bag? The whole conspiracy of the new world order is like saying that the vaccine is to get us ready for colonization of an alien race, which is a plot from the X-Files. Doesn't that just sound just as plausible? Interesting, actually. Shane, pick up on that. What are your thoughts on the, the New World Order? You you call them nut jobs that I put on the air, is it? I did, I think, yeah. Um, and I normally don't ring radio shows, Neil, but um, when I was listening to that, it was kind of a, a mix of kind of anger and... I actually felt sorry for the girl that was talking because, you know, she's after going down a rabbit hole there that she's believing stuff that's just totally ridiculous. And your that text just just text in there said it's like all the world leaders can't can't agree, but on anything, never mind say that, and and they're all you know going to agree on this one global communist thing. It, it it's just nuts. And who, how do they decide who leads that? Like, do they do do Biden, Putin, and um. Kim Jong-un or someone play rock, paper, scissors to see who actually takes the lead, you know? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but you can't prevent... I mean, if you're suggesting that people like who have that opinion should be prevented from going on air, that's just as dangerous. Well, I think that that opinion is dangerous as well, Neil, because it's so, you know, it's so far-fetched. I mean, it, it's fine No, but you have, can't say to somebody, oh, sorry, you can't go on air now because I happen to disagree with you. 
Oh no, and look, that's fair enough. But like, there, like, there's lots of opinions out there. But like, I think in the in the context of the whole COVID thing, we've lost a lot of balance that doesn't really make sense because of these opinions. It doesn't really make sense in other areas. For example, like with Tony Holohan, I think I think um, or Doctor Holohan, give him his proper name. Like, we should be respecting these guys a little bit more. I mean, I, I just did a little bit of background kind of check, like outside of knowing about who he is. Um, Yesterday, I just looked up, and the guy, like, he he graduated from UCD Medical School in 1991. Okay, so he he's 30 years' experience in in that job. Yeah, um, I understand all of that. He also is yeah. the man who who, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, said that we won't be giving um, uh, any kind of uh, expensive drugs to women with cervical cancer because they're too expensive. I think it was yeah, Pembro, it cost 70 grand a year, and but, he said no. But Neil, like, this guy, like, he, he is a master's in public. Like, like, if we just talk about the COVID thing a second, which, which we were talking about yesterday, right? Like, he's, he doesn't take these decisions unanimously by himself. He's got a team of experts around him, all with medical qualifications. And this, this is their job to try to prevent, you know, like, a, a, a pandemic that's nearly uncontrollable at times. But why is and there then, no other country, really and truly, talking the same uh, way as the Irish are? now okay, okay they have concerns but they've opened okay, up and, okay on that one right so can i just say just on the first point right where, where i feel the balance is lost is that with with you know dr horn's experience and stuff like that you had a guy that came on yesterday with no medical experience whatsoever and he said open it up open open everything up you know, it's like, Neil, if, if you had to make a decision, and it's the people that are making the decisions that are putting themselves up there to be shot at, but if you had to make that decision, who would you be, whose advice would you be more... Why are the people inside in hotels? Why can you go into a okay. cinema for two well, hours, bring food in with you? Sure, that's the same yeah, as indoor yeah. dining in a restaurant. Well, it kind of, it, it, it's kind of, there's alcohol involved as well in the indoor. Look, the, the whole indoor thing as well, it, the, and this, this goes back again to this conspiracy thing. There, there's a map, and I don't know if you saw it going around about uh, Ireland is the only country in Europe that um, hasn't indoor dining. There is, everything else yeah, yeah. is, yeah, I think everything, else is, everything green. is green and we're red. Yeah, we're red. And okay. they're legging it across to, across to the north for drinks and... Yeah, exactly, right? But if you look into that a bit more, Neil, like these things on Facebook then, they don't have an asterisk on them explaining the depth of, of, of what's behind it. If you take countries similar to us, like Austria and Denmark, they are open for indoor dining, similar population on a similar site. They are open, but you have to prove that you've been vaccinated or you have to have a negative PCR test or you have to prove that you've, you've overcome COVID. Yeah. So it's not, it's not the same thing. So it, like, if you go down that road here, people will say, oh, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to have that, that we have to prove we're vaccinated to eat indoors. So you can't compare, you can't compare us then to those countries because they're actually implementing a different thing. Uh, in the UK, in the UK, do you have to have uh, digital proof that you've had two jabs? In the UK, do you have to have COVID to go inside a pub? The answer no, to no, that is the answer to that is no. No, the answer to that is no, right? But the UK, I mean, they had one of the the highest death rates per population. But they've just the world, recently they? said we need to live and learn to live with this virus. Absolutely, uh, and we. And we when are we going, going to, to learn to live with it? We're running scared I mean, from it. Like that's that's like that's. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone can answer that question. Right? Of course, we have to to live with it, but like we have to be careful. Like, like Neil, again, like if if you look at the analogy, right? Did you, did you ever get a really bad toothache? 
Yeah, a long, long, long time yeah. ago, yeah. It's yeah, awful. and I'm sure lots of people have it, right? So, if you, and if that's keeping you up at night, who, who's the first person you ring the following morning? Dentist. It's going to be your dentist, right? Yeah. Like, what if, what if I said to you then, and this, this is how, how the, the, the conversation's been framed, what if I said to you, Neil, do you know what? I, I, I'm not a dentist, but those, those guys, they're, they're all in cahoots there with the pharmaceutical companies, and the more anesthetic they give you, the more the more they make from that. And yeah. do you know what? This anesthetic can kill you. Do you know what, Neil? I'll go out. I, I have a pliers in my back pocket here. I'll have a look at your mouth, and I, I'll take out the tooth maybe if, if it needs be. Like, who, who are you going to go with? You, you'd, be, you'd be driving as fast as you can to the dentist, right? Because you think that I'm off my game. And that's the type of thing. Like, you, so you, you so in, the, in this case then, where, where the government had said, um, okay, we, we will open, say, the back end of July for um, those who've been vaccinated only uh, and those that have had COVID in the past. Are you saying that the pubs and the restaurateurs should have accepted that, delayed for the three weeks, no, do, do and know, said, I'm okay, actually, we'll, I, I we'll would actually be that. against that one myself, to be honest with you, because I, I do think it's a little bit unfair. Like, I have my I have my double vaccine done already, but I don't think it's fair that I could sit inside some place where, where like, I think we're all in it together and all, all the rules should apply, but I think we should be heeding the advice of these medical experts who, whose job it is actually to keep us safe. Whether we like the decisions they're making or okay. not, that's that's what they're trying to do. Okay. And, and can I just say one more thing there, yeah. Neil, as well? Yeah. And a lot of these, the, the, the kind of conspiracy theories and stuff, and, and that, that, that lady mentioned it as well the other day, they come up with, you know, the lines, they've all the lines rolled up, and, and one of them that I think is, is kind of upsetting, actually, is they say the, the median age of death is like 83 or 80, 82 or whatever it is, whatever age it is. And I, I think that's very hurtful because, you know, you know, I, I have a, a mom, like there's, you know, that there's moms, dads, uh, grandparents, grandmoms, granddads, like it, it's not fair that, that they, they're the, they're the ones that are dying. Like, of course, it's the older people are dying, but. They, no, they're, they they're, but they're all, they're all vaccinated now. Yeah, they are vaccinated now, right? But the, my point is that this this expression is being bandied about as if it's a positive thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like as if all oh, the younger people is not affected, so it's okay that the older people are dying. And the problem then as well is that it's it's not a black and white situation. No, no but leader. we're not living in March, April, twenty twenty anymore. Absolutely, Neil. But like the the thing is, is is moving as well. So it's not it's not a black and white thing. So the problem at the moment is that the Delta variant is increasing. The Delta Indian variant is increasing, and yes, the older people are vaccinated. But what what Nefer actually is saying is there's not enough data yet to prove that the vaccination is safe against that particular variant. Okay, okay. That's what the, that you know. That's what they're waiting for. And I, I just think we need to you know respect these people a little bit more because it's easy to it's easy to. You know, to to oppose the opposition, to, to be the opposition is actually the easiest job in the world because, you know, it's, it's, it's all you have to do is say, Erisha, they're doing everything wrong. Okay, all right, covered a lot of ground. Thank you, Shane. Yeah. Text 0868 106 We're back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. You're the greatest. And I just want to come back to uh, some of my emails and texts. So it's just you and me, guys, just for a few minutes' time. And I'll come back to the calls uh, after the break. But just you and me for a little while. And don't forget, keep those uh, keep those uh, dreams 
texts and emails coming. Uh, all sorts of dream stories we're looking for this week, and we've had some incredible ones. So text 0868104106, email neil at redfm.ie, and include a mobile phone number. Share your dreams. We have 400 euro vouchers every day this week, and I'll turn to that around about 20 minutes to midday. The 400 euro vouchers can be spent at Living Dreams Furniture and Bedding in Little Island. They're open 11 to 4, Monday to Saturday, and Sunday 2 to 5 at the commercial centre behind the NCT in Little Island. Uh, stock in Irish handmade sofas, mattresses, beds, three-piece suites, the lot. Keep it local, lads. Support Cork businesses. All right, so that's just before, around about 20 minutes to midday. I suppose to have confirmation in six days, it's been cancelled. We were given three weeks' notice that was going ahead days before it's cancelled. I can't understand why they can't make their confirmations. They've been in school for the last few months in a small classroom together. The church is huge, where they've all been given their own seats, allocated with family only. Yet, weddings can have up to 50 people in July, all drinking and eating inside. What a load of crap. They've put so much pressure on parents for the last two weeks, and then they cancelled days before. More money down the drain for families, and these morons just can't make a decision. Again, it's our kids that are suffering at their expense. The pack of clowns. We should stand together. We're the only country in the world not opened up yet. There are thousands of football matches across Europe. And they're letting every Tom, Dick and Harry into the country. Delta strain my arse, says a annoyed parent to say the least. And then from that to maternity. I'm 39-year-old mother of two. I had a baby four months ago. I'd been on pop 350 a week as I work in the hair and beauty industry. Then I transferred to the maternity benefit. 245 euro a week. I'm just finding this so hard to understand. I'm wondering how a mother of two can afford to live on 245 euro a week with all of the expenses of kids at the moment. I understand I wanted to have another baby and I knew the consequences of that. But how can they dish out 350 to people on the, in the blink of an eye and mothers on maternity get 245? Does anyone else listening think this is very little to live on trying to pay a mortgage to shop and everything else? Well... Can I hold my hand up and say, I think it's very little when you talk about the, the, uh, the amount of bills that you have, mortgages and shopping and everything else. Anybody else got an opinion on that? Text 0868104106. And uh, let's talk in uh, the back end of last week. You, did, you, did, do you remember me telling you the story about the Cork taxi driver who was cleared on charges of careless driving causing serious bodily harm to a fella on an electric scooter wearing dark clothes? Uh, the jury... Uh, found him not guilty. He was free to go. But the jury at the time also called for legislation that people, and I, I was wondering whether this should be applied to cyclists. And, I, and I'm a cyclist, and I've been on an e-scooter from time to time, not anymore though. Um, but the jury said that new legislation should be introduced, that people on e-scooters should wear high-vis jackets and have insurance on the road. And we asked people by Twitter, did they agree with that? 75% of you said yes, 25% of you said no. So 75, 25. John Bowman said, I'm really getting tired of the attack on cyclists, you know. We don't have motors on our bikes, so we're not causing emissions. We're not polluting the environment. I'm a member of the All Cycling Club and all members must have Cycling Ireland insurance, as do all cycling clubs. So... Drop that one, will you? We do pay our insurance. Also, we all drive, so we pay insurance there again. Yes, there are bad cyclists with no insurance, but there's also bad drivers with no insurance. Please don't be painting us all with the one brush. Thank you. Well, I mean, I drive, I drive, 
a car and I have insurance on it. But that doesn't cover the, the bike that I cycle. And I don't have insurance on that. So maybe cycling clubs do have insurance, but the general punter on a cycling bike doesn't have bike insurance. So what happens, for instance, if the cyclist causes an accident or the cyclist scrapes a car or hits a car or whatever the case may be? The motorists can't claim off the cyclist, no? I mean, enlighten me on that one, lads. Text 0868104106. I imagine that's a dead end if you're trying to get... Uh, you know, some kind of compensation out of a cyclist that causes an accident. And we talk about people who may or may not fly overseas on July 19th. Just this last one, Brenda, before the break. Uh, if you get to read this out, don't give out my details. But I do work in aviation, along with 143,000 other people in Ireland. Uh, this email is not to take away from other struggling industries, but to highlight the struggle people working in this industry face and have faced over the past year and a half and will continue to face till the end of this pandemic. The media never cover the struggle of the people in the industry, always vilifying the airlines and flight shaming people who choose to fly. But behind these airlines, there are so many people right now struggling day to day. Every day I read people's comments saying, close the borders, close the airports. It feels like a witch hunt to me. I'm sure the people working in wet bars can relate to it when your business has basically been closed throughout the whole pandemic. They'll still be blamed and have to listen to everyone saying, keep the bars closed. I'm not for one minute suggesting let's all hop on a plane now. I am aware we're in a pandemic and people have been badly affected by the disease. But to hear the Irish government say, no holidays. Actually, what the Irish government has said is, there will be a digital green cert for you to travel, but please do not travel. So to hear the Irish government say this, or overseas travel till 2022, frightens me so much. They make these statements and put penalties in place for people, yet give the airlines nothing in return and no thought for us and all of our jobs in the industry. What other business in Ireland has RTE News, Primetime and the Gardaí outside the doors of their business? We have a vaccine now, but since we've gotten it, it seems like measures have been getting worse, not better. Sorry for the email. I just want to point out that the industry is on its knees. Our jobs are on their knees. And that when this is over, if the government doesn't help out, there'll be no aviation industry in Ireland. Well, they are saying that about Aer Lingus. Will they ever be able to come back from this? And I read yesterday about the uh, the share price and the drop in profits for Ryanair. I mean, they're the two major players straight away. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. On the original email this morning of the parents with the lad who fell off the, um, I mean, started to go off the tracks when he was 10 and now 15. Thank you, Amanda. Um, people are talking about, uh, you know, the fact that Bernard O'Hare, who's been through this, they're the type of people that should be meeting young people to say, listen, this is what I went through and I was lucky to get out of it. Amanda says, my heart goes out as parents, but if it were me, I'd drag them to a rehab center. I'd drag them to a hospital. I get raw visuals of what drugs can do, especially heroin and cocaine. Arrange a meeting with people in recovery and let him see for himself. Drag them around the streets, let him see. It might not work, but it's worth a try. One of the big issues, of course, when you get involved in drugs is uh, certainly at a young age is you end up becoming a dealer. And as Bernard correctly showed to us, this morning, you end up um, carrying debt and the threats that follow you and can follow you all over the country. You know, the threats of uh, not just violence to you, not just injury to you, but also to your family, threats against your family, threats against your parents' homes, things like that. Because uh, dealers want their money. That's the business they're in, money. 
Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I don't mean, the, mean to be the merchant of uh, doom and gloom, but we get dragged back, of course, to COVID, or as we call it now, uh, the Delta the Delta variant. And um, the big topic, of course, is indoor dining and opening up traditional pubs, which need to be open, many would say, because this is tourist season when they make their best money. Um, if Tony Hoolan had his way... And there won't be a, a vaccine pass acceptable for those who are vaccine to go indoors. He's saying, keep them all shut till at least October. Uh, anyway, Sean, good morning. Hi, Neil. I'm enjoying the show there. Thanks I, so I much. And, uh, yeah, and, and your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I'm critical of what's going on now with the COVID lockdown. And I'm not waiting for an alien invasion. I'm not sticking anything with the gardening. But <laughs> okay. seriously... A, so you're saying you're not, you're, yeah, okay, you're not a conspiracy theorist, you're not a believer yeah. in a new world order. Okay, I get that, okay. Yeah, like um, your emailer said, you know, the children are suffering, and that's a key point. Like we heard earlier in your show, like the, when children experience trauma, the knock-on effects of that in the future. So we have to ask how much extra trauma has been inflicted on children over the past 15 months. And that's going to be a major problem in the future. And we have a very young population in Ireland. I think it's the youngest in Europe. Mm. Like one in three people are under 25. And in 2020, zero people of that age died from COVID. Mm. So you have to ask, why are they being encouraged to be, you know, vaccinated and locked down and if to wear a mask 10 hours a day? And... Because they, cause they could infect other people. I mean, that, that's, that, a lot of that is past tense now at this stage, though, surely, isn't it? Yeah, but at last year when they were debating that asymptomatic spread, like I read the same documents that HICWA and HPSC were bringing out, and time and again there was a phrase, there's not enough um, evidence or studies um, to make a, a definite um, conclusion on whether asymptomatic spread is is a real threat or not. We kinda, we've kind of moved, in, in my humble opinion, we've kind of moved on from that. Um, like, where yeah, we're at, where we're at, like, one, of the, one of the conversations that needs to be had now has to do with antigen testing. And I, I know people say, oh, God almighty, he's not on yeah, about that again. You had this... Rapid tests. Yeah, no, but it's a similar thing now, this building collapsed in Florida. It was a big story there last week. Now, that was built on poor foundations, right? So we built this COVID lockdown on, on poor foundations. So we have to ask the, the basic question still. Like, it's not, it hasn't been settled. Like, the man who invented the mRNA technology, he's been speaking out against it. He's saying it's being misused. The man who invented the PCR test, he said it was being misused. And this hasn't been discussed properly in the media for over the past 15 months. Um, okay, I, and, I, I, yeah, I know. And even the total death figures for last year, that was never discussed. Yeah, I mean the CFO. There are those, those that say those figures were manipulated. I know, I know, I know. No, no, it's not saying they're manipulated. They're the actual CSO figures, and they show that six hundred extra people died last year. Now, if you go back to the start of last year, we don't have the twenty twenty full figures yet, do we? Oh, they are. They're out last month. Are yeah, they out for the whole year now? For the whole year, twenty twenty. I I I pour through them, and then. Um, I got to get off the air at 12 o'clock and go back in and look at those stats, though, because every time I was looking at them, mind you, it was a few weeks ago. It was just up to September last year. You're saying the whole year is there now. I'll have a look yeah, at that. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I have an email sent okay. to there. W- will you? Will you email? Okay, it's neil at redfm.ie. That'd be great if you would do that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and um, 
Yeah, like at the start of last year, a teacher came out, he said 85,000 people are, are probably going to die from this. Now, what model was that based on? That was the so worst case scenario, doing the doing nothing scenario. Well, we have another worst case now with um, Nefesh. They're saying 2,500 people could die over the next two months. That's found to be in, inaccurate now because that modelling didn't include the amount of people vaccinated between now and two months' time. Well, I'd say the modelling doesn't include reality going back for the past 15 months. I mean, they're saying between 250 and 2,500 people could die over this time, whereas the same time last year, it was 90 people when there was no masks, pubs were open. So, I, I mean... <laughs> How are these guys left to continue? And the question of, like, these politicians don't have to coordinate globally. They're, they're puppets, mostly. I mean, look at poor Joe Biden. Like, he shouldn't even be there. And Why shouldn't he be there? He's elected. Um, well, there's kind of health concerns for the man. I, I don't think he's right for the position. Did you see the last meeting where he was whispering... They, they mock him. They mock him about that. I think that's very. I think that's very unfair. Actually, they mock him about his memory. Well, it's. It, well, there was more. Side. Look, I. I don't. Uh, you know, bring him into it really, but. Like the politicians don't have to coordinate. Um, yeah, no politician. Okay, okay. No politician lost his job or her job. No politician took a pay cut. Yeah, in fact, the opposite happened. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they, yeah, they okay. just go along for the ride. And in the past, like governments have made terrible decisions based on what they said was expert advice. Like you had the Iraq War, you you had Spain, Italy, the UK, USA, Australia. They all went in and invaded Iraq. Why? Looking for weapons of mass destruction. Uh, I mean, it's something Ooh, that didn't exist. Uh, okay, way way off topic, but a, a, an example of political ineptitude, I suppose. Okay, okay, all right. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate the call. Thank you. I'm not cutting you short. I just want to give everybody as much opportunity to get on the air as possible, and also for me to get people on air that I'm keen to talk to. <laughs> I mentioned there earlier this morning, and we had him on yesterday, Paul Travode. He's got a fabulous restaurant down in Killarney. He says uh, the announcement of at least July 19th, at least, and that's only if a vaccine pass is acceptable, and the pubs and restaurants say they don't want to do it. He said it was like a dagger to the heart, he said. He said, who am I to ask at the front door of my restaurant if people are vaccinated or not? I might as well ask them what the colour of their underpants is. It's none of my business. He also went on to say that he had 500 cancellations in a single day uh, after the government decided to keep indoor dining and drinking shut. I haven't heard of Cork restaurants yet, but I would like to hear if there are Cork restaurateurs who've had reams and reams of cancellations for the back end of July and, and, and what have you, in their restaurants. But I do know in Killarney they've been hurting because I spoke with Paul yesterday and he had 500 cancellations then yesterday. And Deirdre Brown is the co-owner of Murphy Brown's restaurant on the High Street in Killarney. And she joins me by phone. Deirdre, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, have you had cancellations? Anything? We've had hundreds of cancellations and we've had to sit down yesterday for a couple of hours and contact each and every person who had pre-planned their holiday to Killarney and booked a nice restaurant and we had to let them down. And it's just very disappointing for us as a restaurant. It's very disappointing to let people down, you know, for their experience of Killarney. 
it's just uh, very disappointing. And do you know the cancellations? Are people cancelling yes. for dates from the 5th of July or the 19th of July? Well, it, w- there was a few people, right, before the announcement was even made that had made contact with us saying, oh, we're hearing, you know, we're hearing rumours, we're hearing this, we're hearing that. So I said, I'm waiting until 1 o'clock until we have the exact dates or whatever that we're allowed open so that I knew exactly how many I needed to cancel or whatever. And then to find out that, like, there was leaks and all this kind of thing going on and that people knew before even the people in the restaurants. So we had to sit down then. And what we've done is we've cancelled everybody up until the 19th of July mm. because that's the next date that they have given us that they might give us answers. But then again, they, they, may, they may or they may not. And was that dozens? Playing around. Hundreds? Oh, hundreds. Absolutely hundreds. Hundreds. And then the messages oh I'm getting God. back are of total support that they're so disappointed and they wish us well and they hope to see us next time and that they had got so many recommendations for the restaurant they were so looking forward to. How do you and feel about deleting bookings from a, 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 booking, sorry, a booking app? How do you feel about that? Delete, delete, oh, delete, delete, delete. It's, delete. it's, it's just horrible. It's just, literally, I sat down with a pen and paper and contacting people and putting a line through the book. It's disgusting. It's horrible. The only time I ever put a line through the book is when the night is done and I'm satisfied that we have customers done and they're happy and they're going away and they're recommending us. And I'm so happy. And to, to do it in this form where we're cancelling everybody, it's, it's just horrible. It's, I swear, mentally, it's draining. Draining. This year has been a mental drain. I can imagine. I can imagine. Delete, yeah. delete, delete, delete. And... Um, where are you at and where are the restaurateurs generally with regards to the vaccine pass, let's say from the 19th for those who've had two jabs or those who've had COVID? Because um, many are saying, and I read this morning, a restaurant owner um, uh, quoted as saying they would prefer to stay shut than rather vet customers coming through the door. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, do you know, I, I would be of the same opinion because I do feel it's very unfair um, I, I also think that it's not our job to police to police people like that, you know. But it would be very straightforward. It would just be having a somebody on the door. So, sorry. It would be very straightforward, would it not? You just have like a door person just doing that, checking their phone but or looking who, at who's their. Going, who's going to pay for that, Neil? And also, there's like so the the vaccine passport has got a date and a name on it. So are they going to create ones that have a photo attached also? And then you're discriminating people who, for some reasons, can or cannot. You're also discriminating against younger people who a lot of our staff are younger. So they're fine to come and serve you all night. But then if their family came in at the end of the night and they want to sit down and have a meal with them, oh, sorry, you can't. It's bizarre that you'd be served by non-vaccinated people in a vaccinated environment. This is all bizarre. And I don't know how they can come out and spill us this crap honestly how that they can show face to the people and say that this is actually something they're considering doing i'm embarrassed for them like at the moment you can go into any hotel in the country you can sit inside comfortably morning noon or night and have your breakfast lunch or dinner vaccinated or not vaccinated Mm. from any country Mm. but yes in proper circumstances with socially distanced tables you know, a nice atmosphere, everything sanitized down, everything regulated, you know, people's details taken. And like we ran it like, oh, my God, we ran it so well last year. Everybody did. It was amazing. The, the situation now is there's outdoor dining going on. There's not like certain places are doing outdoor dining. Most places are doing outdoor drinking. 
and you're very lucky if you can get a table. Everything has been pre-booked for weeks ahead because the smart people who decided to choose Killarney got on straight away and they booked outdoor dining. And so is it all dining, booking? There's no uh, queue? Like, again, pa- parts booking. of Cork City, I, it's a queuing system. Yeah, most most of Killarney is booking. And I noticed yesterday on social media and Facebook, there's a number of restaurants here in town that actually put up a post saying, you know, that they're very sorry, but that they will honour any of the bookings taken um, and that they will have to now seat them outdoors. But to please not contact any more about booking because their systems can't handle it and they won't get a reply and that you might get lucky by coming to the door. But honestly, from from being a person who lives here in Killarney, my experience for the last few weeks is if you do get a seat, you know, people are asking me, where will I go? What will I do? Where would you recommend? I said, where would I recommend? I would recommend where you can get your ass on a seat. Yeah, I know. Because it's rare. It's like gold dust, Neil. And like, if you do get there, you stay there for the night. Because what happens is if you get up and say, oh, I'll wander downtown and find another bar or find whatever... It, it's it's non-existent. You're wandering around. That's why the street drinking is happening because okay. people have no choice. Yeah, this is peak season now, of course, for you, uh, for West Cork, and for East Cork, yeah. and for y'all. But but that's not happening, of course. But but Killarney no. always kind of pulls together very much. And and with that in yeah. mind, did did you guys have a demo this morning? We did. We had a demonstration. In fairness, Dennis, my business partner here in the restaurant, um, with the Killarney Advertiser, they decided that we should show uh, unity um, for the places that are closed down and cannot reopen. So we went around town and got everybody together. And there was about 60 to 80 people here today, which was amazing. Is that 60 to 80 businesses, you're saying? Businesses, yeah. Everybody showed up. There were counsellors here. Um, People that are just, they're just say it's unbelievable and here we are peak season we were told the 5th of July a couple of days beforehand we were left high and dry and now they're saying the 19th that they'll make a decision again so we we can't tell our staff or our suppliers uh, yes we're guaranteed to open the 19th we but don't know you an, okay so this is solidarity and also to pressurize to get a date but they are Absolutely. giving you they are giving you an olive branch the olive branch is proof of two doses proof of jabs but and you guys won't do it deal. that's not fair no it's not good enough and it's not fair it's absolutely not fair i mean why why should it be that younger people are constantly um, being told that they're the cause of this and they're the spreaders and they're the this that and the other if, if they can't if the government can't vaccinate them then where, where are they supposed to spend their summers where are they supposed mm-hmm. to have a civilized meal like there's a lot of 20 year olds that are quite mature and they love to sit down for a nice meal with their boyfriend or girlfriend or their friends you know Mm. It's not everybody out hooning and drinking, you know, mm. so they need to stop tarring all the young people with the same brush. So what are you suggesting should happen then, say, July 19th? I suggest that the same thing as last year happened, that we take people in, we do our social distancing, we take details from everybody. There is a lot of the people vaccinated already, the vulnerable, the people with underlying conditions, they already have been vaccinated. And if they feel comfortable to come out into a society, which they are anyway, doing their shopping, their groceries, going to the cinema, going to hotels. They're allowed to do all these things indoor. So why shouldn't they be allowed to sit inside in a restaurant? Even though if you took the vaccinated, you get more in and you wouldn't have to be taking down mobile numbers and all that kind of stuff. I don't know whether you would or not, Neil, because a lot of the people that are vaccinated, they're, you know, they're older or elderly and they mightn't necessarily want to come out and about. All right, you're doing it for the young people then. It's not, it's not about that. I'm doing it for everyone. Okay. I'm doing okay. it for everyone because everyone should be treated the same. 
And we need to stop segregating people, and that's what the government are doing. Okay. And I just don't feel it's right. Let's get some more calls, texts and comments on that. And uh, certainly, um, I hear good things about Murphy Brown. I really do. I know that Brenda visits an, an awful lot. So hopefully things will work out sooner rather than later. But thanks for getting on air this morning, Deirdre. I do appreciate it. Thank you. And you're All always welcome down. All right. You never know. One of these days soon. So hundreds and hundreds of delete, delete, delete. That's got to be heartbreaking. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Seven a few friends had a booking for the end of July for Kerry and after this farce the other day, this government can go and get stuffed. In fact, the F word is used. I've substituted the word stuffed. We just cancelled our staycation in Kerry and are planning on a trip abroad instead. I'd rather spend money outside of the country than support these Muppets any longer. We need a general election ASAP. Get these clowns out and every pub and restaurant should stand together and open up. Another one here, Dennis says, just a comment. Hospital cases are rising and there are more people in ICU than last week. This is not over by a long shot. This virus is going to mutate to be more and more dangerous as time goes on. It's not over by a long shot. Um, Well, if it's going to mutate and become more and more dangerous as time goes by and there are going to be different strains, isn't that why you'll get booster shots like you would do with flu? In fact, you could get it at the same time as flu, ideally in different arms, you know? I mean, isn't that how you deal with that uh, going forward if this is never going away? You know, I understand that, you know, you don't have to get vaccinated if you don't want to. You can't be forced. I'm expecting my second pandemic baby and I'm a high risk. I'm not vaccinated. This is my fourth baby. So now I won't be able to go for a meal with my hubby indoors. Highly unlikely we'll be able to go with the small kids for some time. My husband is fully vaccinated. Also, with all of the staff in the restaurants, will they be fully vaccinated? From what I can see, most are young there seems to be a shortage of staff. It's hard enough going to appointments and delivering babies and all this madness. On top of being high risk, it's really tough on everybody. And one other quick one here. What were Neffet doing about the uh, waiting lists and the trolley scandals prior to March of last year? The government has hid behind Brexit and hid behind COVID. And when you add it all up, it's been going on for six years. God help us when I look at Dahl Aarons, says Dennis. And really, just one final one. From the 19th of July... Uh, thank you for this, Mark. He says, from the 19th of July, people will be allowed to go to an airport mixed with hundreds of other people, climb on board an airplane, which is no more than a metal tube, again with hundreds of others uh, for hours on end. Get off the plane in a foreign country mixed with hundreds of people waiting for your luggage. Head off to your resort, relax by the pool or beach, socialize at night with hundreds of other people from all over Europe and beyond. Hop on a plane, repeat the same journey coming home. Yet when you get back home, you won't be able to go into your local pub, your local restaurant to eat or drink inside. This is just BS the Irish government is selling to the Irish people. Think about it. Take all the time you need, but think about it. By email to neil at redfm.ie. Yeah, um, can I just say, um, the, the, there will be the digital green certificate, which is actually being rolled out across Europe as we speak. Uh, there'll be delays on it here. They say the delays for the vaccine um, digital green cert is because of hacking. But even when you have that, the government is still saying, don't travel overseas. Um, That doesn't answer your questions, incidentally. I'm just saying, you know, they're still recommending that you don't do an overseas journey. Uh, I do, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, you know, if you've got your digital green certificate and you've, say, for instance, had two jabs, what's stopping you? I know you don't do requests, but any chance you can say hi to my niece, Jean Barrett, in Ardmore Estate and Passage West. Is it Jean or Jen? I think it's Jen. So happy birthday to you, Jen, 34 today. Jen is spina bifida. Her boyfriend, Michael, uh, passed away some time back. 
tell her to stay off the Prosecco from her favourite Uncle Frick. Ah, come on, Frick. At least a glass of Prosecco for the 34th birthday today. But anyway, happy birthday, Jean. I'm happy to give you the old shout-out. Um, I needed to fact-check their point that was made earlier on by a caller who said that the man who created the PCR test um, said that the test could not be used to accurately identify COVID. Um, we had to fact-check that because I wasn't 100% sure as to whether that was true or not. So Mark Willington fact-checked it through the journal.ie, uh, Australian Associated Press, uh, Reuters, who all fact-checked that, and that claim is false. Carrie Mullis, who created the PCR test, did not say that it wouldn't work for COVID infection. He did not say that PCR testing does not work. So that was fact-checked there in the last 10 minutes, proved to be untrue. Lines open at one 104 106 Kathleen, good morning. Hello. Um, I was very much um, in agreement with the lady you had on before me. If the vulnerable are vaccinated, right, they can carry it nonetheless. Yeah. So yeah. what difference does it make if the vulnerable are vaccinated and they're mixing with those who are not vaccinated? And if the vaccines do what they say they're supposed to do, then why on earth would there be a rollout of a complete vaccination of the entire population? It makes no sense. It's contradictory to all science. And where, where are the people with their natural immunity going to be anymore? But hang on a second. If somebody goes into a restaurant that's had two jabs or has already had COVID, that doesn't yeah. prevent them from having COVID again. Um, and, inf- and infecting a staff member, for instance. I know, but what I'm trying to say is you can't immunize the entire No, body. I'm losing it there. Just move around a bit there. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, go ahead. What I'm trying to say is you can't vaccinate an entire population against something if they're saying and if they're correct that the variants keep changing but of course that doesn't make sense either because studies showed that those who had the original SARS and then their their blood was tested against COVID-19 and even though there was a 20% difference between the variants their T-cells came out immediately and fought the virus okay mm. so the variants only differ from say percent they suggest two to three percent so anybody who's saying the new variant won't be um covered by the vaccine so we all have to get vaccinated you see it's all so contradictory if if we're all having to get vaccinated and we're vaccinating all the young people then their natural t-cells won't be responding to this virus so their natural immunity is going to be compromised and the whole thing is being put out in panic because the statistics do not back it up. I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as COVID. Of course there is. But the flu figures... Well, you can't say that because people, it killed people. Of course people. there is. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it. The flu figures seem to disappear after Christmas. The spike after Christmas was all COVID and suddenly there was no such thing as flu. What happened to flu? Uh, we Why weren't mixing. Uh, many people were indoors. Uh, they... Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> All right, they're fine, but if one COVID virus can catch people, another one can. Do you understand? So they're both viruses, they're both fairly similar. Where did the flu statistics go? The mm-hmm. flu statistics disappeared overnight and it was all put down to COVID. I do not deny it's a dangerous thing, but if the vulnerable are vaccinated, 
then everybody has a right to say, no, I will not be vaccinated. Are they going to put armbands on us? Are they going to start tattooing us? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be in the control group. Well, there now. is a form There is a form of that if they if they make you carry a vaccine passport. Isn't, isn't that like tattooing you? It is. It's like going back in time to where, you know, we're, we're almost getting into some, some ridiculous um, dystopian future if that starts to happen. Your papers, you know, let me show you, let me see your papers. Yeah. The whole point is, if you're going to properly test a vaccine, and this is a test, by the way, this is a clinical trial. This does not have a license. This is emergency use only. And everybody in the world who's taken that jab, and I appreciate why some of them have done it. I know they have their reasons because there's an awful lot of fear out there. But every single person who's taken it has taken part in a clinical trial. They have no comeback. If somebody knocked on your door tomorrow and said, do you want to take part in a clinical trial? You go, go away. I'm not going to do that. But there's so much fear. And there are people saying, but you know, I've been advised to do it. And I understand why they're saying it. But at the same time, it's nothing more than a clinical trial. There's no comeback whatsoever. And in a real clinical trial, you've got to have a control group. I'm part of the control group. And everybody else who chooses not to have the vaccination... I wish I I had more time because they did have control groups. Um, I remember reading about those control groups. And I remember hearing about the placebos and everything. Surely you know that. In the original trials. Yeah, before they were licensed. Yes, but they did. You can't go into a, a clinical trial unless you're of super fit health and young. You can't. They can't. They can't put people into clinical. But trials. But you said there were no clinical trials. Do you do you agree that there were? They were, but they were flawed. Okay. And okay. and okay. they were the statistics on those trials were hugely manipulated. Okay. It's already been shown. Okay. So people need to know that a proper clinical trial couldn't take place that quickly anyway. You don't produce a vaccine that quickly that's going to be properly trialed. Okay. No Unfortunately, time's against me. I hope we got as many points as you wanted to make, but I need to move on. Thank you, Kathleen. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, loads of text then on the, the vaccine cert or passport or what have you, but it'll be tomorrow before I get to those. Um, I just want to get a couple of dream stories on the air. Another 400 euro voucher, courtesy of ourselves. Living Dreams Furniture and Bedding, Little Island. Just behind the NCT, you can spend the 400 on whatever you wish. Um, <laughs> some people have way too much cheese before they go to bed, I think. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, Hello. now I, I, I'm just going to listen to your story and move on, so go for it. No, well, I was a couple of years back. I had a weird dream where the walls were all fuzzy in my bedroom. I was lying in bed, and a nun came through and dragged me through the wall. And when I went through to the wall, I was on one of them old red double decker buses with the backs on them. And when I got on the bus, I realised that was the nun that dragged me on. It was full of the uh, the bus driver was a cat. And all the pastures on the... A cat, a like cat. a meow cat. Yeah. <laughs> and it freaked me out. I had a, it was a repetitive dream. I had it a couple of times when I was younger. It was really weird. The cat was driving the bus. All the passengers yeah. were cats. Yeah. Where, and, and where the, did the nun go? The nun was still there, but I realised then when I got through, the nun had also a cat face. It was a nun, <laughs> all right, but she had a face of a cat. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I'd love to get somebody. Would it be great to get those kind of dreams analysed? I mean, what was the significance of the nun? I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, and it was a repetitive dream. I've had it a couple of times through the years when I was younger. It was weird. A really weird dream. And, and have you stopped having that dream now? 
Yeah, well, that is, we've had more dreams than that along the way, believe me. Nightmares, <laughs> like? Oh, nightmares. I wouldn't, some of them are nightmares. Some of them are weird, yeah. And <laughs> how did that me, dream yeah. end up? Like, did the did the cat crash the bus or did the cat pull no, in and pull no. up, get passengers or what? It was, yeah, it was just driving the bus and that was, that's all, that's the whole dream, what I can remember of it. It, just, it was weird, the walls going fuzzy and no one pulling me through with a, a habit and he was a freak me out having a dream. I'd wake up screaming. <laughs> wow. All right, my man, appreciate that one. Thank you. The cat dream, cat driving the bus. Ashling, good morning. Hi, Neil. How okay, this is your 13-year-old daughter's dream, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, we went up to the to the bedroom one evening. It was a school night uh, last year, maybe the beginning of last year, and uh, I could hear a sound coming from her room. So she had gone up to bed before us. So I stuck my head in the door and I called my husband, but she was sat upright in the bed, looking straight ahead, and she was whistling, um, "Aha, take on me by Aha." <laughs> Not not an easy tune to whistle. No, no. Now, I mean she whistled the whole tune. The whole thing. And then lay back down on the bed and went back to sleep. Do you hear me trying to do it there? Do you think I did a good yeah, job? Yeah, it's impossible. Now, and she loves Aha. She loves them. And uh, the following day, then she told me that she was in the dream. She was in a competition. A whistling competition. It, this competition. it was in a competition and it was a bike that she wanted. A purple bike. <laughs> Yeah. And it was a whistling competition. So she decided she was going to whistle. Uh-huh. Did you wake <laughs> her? Like, she, pardon? Did you wake her? No, no. Uh, did you? The whole did you do, like, and then she laid back down flat. Is it a video you didn't bring your phone in and film I, that's it? That's what I said to my husband after. That was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know what I'm going to do? The next competition yeah. that I have, I'm going to use yeah. that as what we call a mechanic, whistling get people to yeah. whistle I'll give them the song right a well known song yeah. and they'll have to whistle it back to me how about that for an yeah. idea <laughs> yeah, great idea so thank and you for that if- from the time she's about three she's just <laughs> Loves whistling and just whistles. I know. I mean, one, of the, one, of, the mo- one of the most awful things I ever heard years ago was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a teacher who told a child in primary school to stop whistling. It's the devil's music. Could you imagine? I actually remember hearing that when I was young as well. Ah, oh, for God's sake! Why would actually, you stop we used a child whistling? We were told actually that Holy Mary cried when when a girl whistled. That's what we were told. <laughs> oh, I mean, that kind of propaganda. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mad stuff. Mad is right. Thanks, Ashling. Sarah, good morning. Morning. That's a How great that's a great chat. Sarah, go ahead. Is this a dream or a nightmare? <laughs> a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and it's just strange because I had it last night and then I see your post. But I dreamt that um, I went to my daughter's grave and everything oh, just I mean, sorry. Is the, do, do, did, you, did you have a daughter that passed away? Um, she was still born in 2014. Okay, well... My my condolences for that. So, Thank in you. the dream, in the dream, myself, my husband, and my brother went to the graveyard, and everything was just in pieces, headstone ripped down, everything. Then so I was busy crying, but then in the end, it turned out that the engraver was after knocking the headstone while he was engraving it, then just broke everything to make it look like it was vandalized. Oh my god! But then the name was on the headstone along with my brother's name and a picture of a house. My brother is alive and kicking. That, is the, that is the strangest thing. Your, your, your living brother's name appeared on the smashed yeah. headstone alongside but your But I daughter. think it's because I was onto an engraver about getting my daughter's name on the headstone. 
and I was talking to my brother about it, so I said that's where he came into the And thing. and they say that that your your that your brain goes into some sort of gear and it it, oh, yeah. it deals with the living world and adapts it into the dream world, you know? Yeah. If that yeah, makes sense, you know. It was just weird when I saw your post this morning. I was like, and did, you obviously found that very upsetting, I'm sure. We're kind of thinking of it now and just laughing. You know, <laughs> in the dream, I was bawling. Oh, my God. I can well imagine. Yeah. I can well imagine. Okay, well, thank you for that as well. Keep those dreams coming. Uh, text 0868104106. This is lovely. Nora says, 20 years ago, my husband and I decided to start trying for a baby. We assumed it would happen quickly enough. But unfortunately... After two years, two miscarriages and a lot of heartache, we applied for fertility treatment. I'll always remember the day that I got a call from the clinic to say we've been accepted for the treatment. Moments before the call, I had done a pregnancy test, which was positive. Overjoyed, we really believed that this would be the one that would make it. Three weeks later, everything was going really well. And apart from severe morning sickness, I was very happy and excited and very hopeful. Until one day, the all too familiar cramps started. I continued through the day as the cramps were quite mild and not very regular. I didn't tell my husband as I didn't want to worry him in case the cramps passed. That night, my husband was working night shift. When I was in bed, the cramps were consistent, but not unbearable. I lay in the dark with tears running down my cheeks, convinced that there could only be one outcome. I prayed to my mother, who had been dead a few years at that stage. My heart was breaking as I drifted off to sleep. I can't say how long I was asleep, but I found myself sitting up in bed, not awake, not asleep, it was like as if I was between wakefulness and sleep. In front of me, I saw a baby aged about 10 or 11 months, blonde, blue-eyed little boy. He was looking at me very peacefully, as if it was the most normal thing in the world. I asked him, are you my baby? He smiled and quietly left the dream. I then fell into a deep sleep, and when I woke the next morning, the cramps had disappeared. I knew then, without a doubt, that I would have this baby finally. I told my husband that we were having a baby boy and he would be blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Sure enough, eight months later, I gave birth to a blonde, blue-eyed little boy who's now a healthy 17-year-old. Some things in life cannot be explained and this certainly was one experience that I will always tre- cherish. I It's a fabulous, fabulous email and I think I'm going to give the uh, voucher today to Nora because uh, it's just a beautifully written email and it, it really does go to show the premonitions can come true. Uh, and you got an awful lot of consolation from that visit. You actually got a visit from the child that you then went on to give birth to. So a 400 euro voucher for living dreams won't be beaten for quality and value. And tomorrow is Friday, our final 400 euro voucher. So keep the emails coming, neil at redfm.ie. And make sure you include a phone number and text 0868104106. About a time for now. Have a good day. When the sun does eventually arrive, it'll be great. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.